Good news, everyone! So to speak has now turned 50 years old. And to celebrate, we're going to be talking about a certain show that we haven't mentioned on this podcast ever. The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Man, it's been so long since we talked about The Simpsons. I forgot we talked about The Simpsons. Right? There wasn't, there wasn't another show I was alluding to when I said that, did I? I don't know. Disenchantment, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Something yeah. Matt, Matt Groening related, maybe. Or uh, Futurama, maybe? I don't know, oh, maybe. Futurama, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like The Simpsons. I forgot about that show. <laughs> it's not like The Simpsons is the only thing he's ever done. Welcome, everybody, to So To Speak. As things feel a little bit different, that's because I'm your guest host today, Cody McDonald. You may remember me from such podcasts as Pop Talk. <laughs> yeah, that's going pretty well. Anyone else care what this guy thinks? <laughs> Aww. And, uh, We're really I'm, rolling out the welcome wagon today for our new guest host. And, I, and I'm here today with people you might recognize. I got Lyle Groniger. Yo ho! <laughs> I got Evan Mead. Hello! Hello, and got, everybody! And I got Josh Weinberg. Hello! Uh, everybody, let's do a little toast. We have... Yeah, raise your cups. By the way, you said 50 years of so to speak. Don't you mean 50 weeks? Josh is drinking Did water. I say years? Well, then, you said I years. I mean, this year well, feels we'll like 50 that. years in and of itself. Three, two, one. Ah. Ah. The first time we've ever drank soda on this show. Isn't that weird? It's a special occasion. Yeah. Today, Follow me, don't follow me. I've got my Sprite. I've got my Orange Crush. Got my Coca Cola Zero. We are, we are buzzed and need to pee. (laughs) Had my soda, now it's time to speak. (laughs) Alright, as I said, yeah. Correction, not 50 years, 50 weeks of doing the show, you guys. Weeks. You guys have uh, pumped out a lot of episodes this past year. Thank you. It's been Thank feeling you. great. And to celebrate that, I think we need to kind of come full circle on a certain subject that we've come to come together quite a few often just to shoot the shit about. And I think, what other show we should we talk about on here than The Simpsons, shall we? Again. Again. Yes. You know what else is there to talk about I like these how, days? You know how Co- Cody, um, I've all I respect your opinion as a filmmaker, and when we talk about you know the lack of originality, sometimes you know we talk about how everything's a reboot or a sequel these days. But I feel like if we reboot this idea, it's going to be fun. It is a reboot, and I think we should definitely come full circle because you guys ended off the Simpsons marathon with a very dour note with talking about the abyss. Oh, the last ten seasons, yeah. Uh, which, speaking of which... Yeah, don't worry. This show, this podcast is on a sliding continuity, just like the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> which, speaking of which, I kind of want to go around the table. I'll, I'll kind of just point out your, your names. But uh, ever since you guys did the Abyss episode, have you guys progressed and watched the show since? <laughs> so, let's start with you, Lyle. Uh, no, I kind of stopped after the Abyss episode because I was just so bored with The Simpsons. It got to the point where I just couldn't even finish seasons like the way I usually do for these episodes. I'm usually very prepared. It was very... But I was running out of time. I was working so much. I couldn't get through all the seasons. Afterwards, I needed a break. But I actually um, I actually just finished uh, the entire series of Futurama. 
I watched like from season uh, one all the way to uh, ten on Disney Plus, including the uh, the direct to DVD movies, and uh, oh, that was a that was a great experience. I loved watching that whole show. Yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We'll talk about that maybe in ten more weeks. I, I so stay my, tuned. I will hold my mouth. I also finished uh, season three of Disenchantment, so I'm all caught up with that. Not much to report, honestly. You're just on a roll. Wow. I'm on a, yeah, mm-hmm. I have way too much time on my hands. I'm I'm the editor, so to speak. I have way too much time on my hands. <laughs> what about what about you, Josh? Um, I was already watching season 32 as it was airing, so I figured I might as well finish the newest season just to get myself up to speed. But I feel like my enjoyment of it obviously waned years ago, but it's sort of, I don't really feel anything negative or positive when watching it. Just meh. Yeah. The marathon continues. The marathon continues. <laughs> it's, it's still on at least, but um, if there was one thing about the most recent season, it's that these the Skinner Chalmers double episode like the double focus of the road to Cincinnati is one of the better modern episodes that I, I I've seen in some time and what about whether you, it's um... because of how big oh. steamed hands has been over the last few years or because the writers generally wanted to give Chalmers more focus who knows what about you Evan as for me I I'm kind of the same boat as Lyle I didn't really feel any need to go back and watch uh, more episodes of The Simpsons. I may have watched like one or two out of curiosity uh, from the last episode we did because, um, but I still need to watch uh, a very fun thing that Bart will never do again. That sounds like a really Lyle sold me on like how fun or really how that episode actually does sound really fun. Cool. Uh, I actually went through a big progress since the last time we talked about the Golden Age. Um, so I mentioned last time that I made it up to season ten or season 11, when I was doing my little binge, my endurance test, I should say. And uh, I, not only since doing that Golden Age episode with you guys, not only have I rewatched the Golden Age twice since then, I, however, have pressed on to season 21. Ah. Halfway in season 21. The last episode I watched... Progress is progress. Yeah, yeah, I think it was actually 450 episodes that said it in the show. When I, at the point that I was at, because it was an episode where Homer, uh, what was the plot of it? Homer uh, won the lottery because he uh, dipped out on not going to uh, Marge's like singing recital or something oh, like that. Yeah, thing. Yeah. They were like, doing like a duo thing, and he hid all that money inside of a tree in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. And actually. I actually thought what it was, was that a tree grows in Springfield. I think it was called like Million Dollar Honey or something like that. It was a play on Million, million Dollar, Dollar Maybe. Million, yeah, yeah, mil- those... Million Dollar Maybe. That's the episode. Yeah, so it was a play on that. The movie. Um, I actually thought it was a pretty decent episode, and I like where I'm at right now. Uh, so the ending of season twenty three is still among me. <laughs> it's still ahead on the horizon. I think you also got into Futurama too, haven't you? I did get it. Yeah, I did get into Futurama. I mean, I just finished season eight. It's uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that some other day. But um, we shall. Yes. I I did rewatch the la- the season ten, which I said I wasn't that too big on. And even though I did find an episode or two that were funny, I, I would almost say that the Wizard of Evergreen Terrace was my favorite one. Um, my thoughts on the meh years season 11 to 20 where uh for every seven or eight average episodes there's one that clicks that's kind of how it always went for me and there were episodes that were not only 
kind of boring me, but there are episodes that kind of make Principal and the Popper look like Marge versus the Monorail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So I kind of have to take my uh, opinion back on that episode a bit and say at least they were trying. Yeah, Prince and the Popper does not seem so bad nowadays. Yeah, in hindsight. Admit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it, it continues. It's very slow. I'm going to get to season 30 whenever. I'll be I'll be caught up. But it's it's just, I'm happy with what I did, you know. And over under uh the next the last two like seasons thirty one and thirty two being on Disney Plus before Cody gets up to date. Yeah, I'm almost. It's cool to say I'm almost like more than halfway there. I'd say I'm two thirds of the way there. But yeah. only if I slack more, then it's just gonna I'm gonna eventually be halfway there, and then a quarter of the way there to keep going. <laughs> So, so what's the uh, what's the purpose of this episode? Yeah, right? so tonight's format we're just we're just going to be shooting the shit about some of our not only our favorite episodes but favorite episodes centered around I was going to say the five main characters of the show but since Maggie we all love Maggie but she doesn't really have too many episodes that centered around her we're going to talk about an episode surrounding the four main characters of the family favorite side character episode, favorite lore episode, and we're going to end it all off on favorite quotes as now, well. Now, what do you mean... Oh, and our, sorry, and our favorite guest star from the show as well. We can't forget yes. that one. Now, what do, you, what do we mean by lore? Like, the favorite lore well, episode? Well, well, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that one, because I am a bit stumped on that one, too. But before we get into that, because, uh, you know, there's so much we want to cover a bit, but why don't we go around the table a bit, and I'm curious to know if you guys have any warm kind of reminiscent stories of the first time you laughed out loud at the show so let's start with you lyle okay um i think the first joke i remembered from the simpsons was it was in season one that that this came the, the show started way before i was born but i remember it was a rerun and it was uh, the one the, there's there's no disgrace like home Mm. It's the ending where like they're all strapped to the electric chairs. That is probably and the, they torture each other. That's that's the moment where the the uh, dysfunctional family part of the show came into its own. Like that was yes. the introduction. Yes, but definitely. I I died laughing so hard at them zapping each other. And the animation's fucking weird. This is not the way to get healthy. <laughs> Bart, how can you zap your sister? My fingers slip. <laughs> so did mine. <laughs> And Maggie's just tapping away at the button. Why is she plugged in? Isn't that dangerous? That's horrible. Oh my god, Marvin Monroe, you suck. No wonder you got killed off screen. <laughs> oh no, I've just been very, very sick. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so that, that is a good one. Yeah, that, that, that was my first introduction yeah. to The Simpsons. I think another bit I remember is just... Um, I think it was that one moment where he has to he wants to eat that pie. I forget what episode it's on. It's on the oven. Has Lisa to on ice. Okay, yeah, okay. Lisa on ice, yeah. And he's like, okay, pie. Now you're just going to stay there. And I'm going to go, hum, hum, hum. Now if you get in my way, well, that's your fault. Hum, hum, hum. And he it hits, hits his head on the, the wall. Ah, oh, oh. Well, it, clearly it runs in the family because I came after a scene where oh, Bart was it. like, and if you get in my way, it's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it runs in the family. Yeah, those are some of my earliest memories of the show. Uh, we can keep going. Yeah, yeah, what about you, Josh? Um, well, the first time I actually remember really laughing at a joke was when I first watched the show. This would have been, I think, around season 8 or 9, so this might have been 97, 98. I was at our old cottage, and it was on the global, so it was probably a Sunday afternoon or evening, but it, it was like the first time I really sort of got to understand the show, 
And then going through when I got the DVD sets in like 2002, when I really got to the, when I started watching the earlier seasons and laughing at those jokes really for the first time, that was when a lot of the, the humor of the golden age started to click. And since then there've been like some moments where I've really chuckled, but like every, I think the major first time was when I actually heard, I call the big one bitey. Because <laughs> it's just it comes out of left field, but it's just funny. It's one of Matt Groening's favorite lines in the whole show, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that is a good one. At least you started off with a bang one. That was like oh, sure. top three favorites, top three best of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little spotty, but it's more when I actually got to the DVDs themselves. I just went through because I I never watched it really, even if it was on reruns on like Teletoon, for example, because I was I was too young at the time. Oh yeah, it did play on television. Simpsons are on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it's like at nine or ten at night. I distinctly remember there being bumpers for it back in the day. I always remembered it being on like Comedy Central, but like never on like that too. Yeah, Yeah, Comedy Central a lot. They always did like marathons. Yeah, Yeah. and it was also in Canada. In Canada, it was on Global and the Omni Network, and and the CBC would even uh, host episodes. Yep. I remember. Shout out to Michael for that. Yes. Yeah, and Fox, obviously, that's a no-brainer. But like, and then and then City TV, except not anymore. Mm. City TV. Oh yeah, yeah City TV. Mm. Shit, that brings me back. <laughs> wow. And what about you, Evan? First time so, you had a huge laugh. Um, I remember the first was kind of like a minor laugh. Um, I remember as I up at a lodge, uh, the summer after third grade, and um. I, it was a day where, like, there was nothing to do, so we just watched TV, and The Simpsons was on. I remember watching the King of the Hill episode where he climbs Mount Murderhorn, and then, uh, he thinks he made it to the top. I did it! I made it! I actually... Oh, crap! And he sees us form back. It just keeps going! I remember being a kid, and I couldn't stop laughing at that. I was laughing really hard. Like, because he, he thought he made it to the top, and there was more mountain. And then he, he fucking pitches the flag. He just gives up and pitches the flag to say, Yeah, I'm not going to make it, but let's not and say I did. So he pitches the flag, and then the rest of the mountain that he had to climb just collapses. <laughs> so he wins by default. Default, default, default. words in the English language. There was another time when I remember, I think uh, it was, I can't remember if like, it was just an, a random after school uh, night, or it was a random school night, or if my family was over for Thanksgiving. But I remember turning on the TV, seeing... Um, a classic Simpsons moment. I remember seeing Bart and Lisa visiting this guy who I would later know is Lance Murdoch in the hospital, and he's in a body cast, and then he's like, Ah, Doctor, I heard a snap, and Dr. Hibbert's like, Oh, I'm afraid that's broken. But it, it this was just like trivial like stuff. It was building up to Bart jumping the Springfield Gorge, or uh... about to jump the Springfield Gorge, then Homer says, No, you can't do it, and then Homer winds up inadvertently jumping or not jumping the Springfield. Oh, I'm gonna make it! I'm the king of the world. That might be like the first. Right iconic about here moment. is where I realized something's wrong. And I remember no, and then I remember laugh. I remember laughing at Homer falling down the gorge, and then I remember they airlift him out of the gorge into a hot into an ambulance. The ambulance crashes into a TV into a tree, into a TV. and then he and then he falls down the gorge again. <laughs> and then I remember, I just I will never forget this line when he's 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 with 
Lance Mur he's next to Lance Murdoch in the hospital and he the looks at and the last line is if you think you got guts try raising my kids <laughs> and then I just remember laughing really hard that, at that. that might be the first iconic moment from the Simpsons yeah most people likely, started yeah. like saying that that was like the first one well yeah. they always they always read they always uh call back to it a lot they even do it in the sure. simpsons in the, movie. The movie yeah yeah, yeah. and then in, isn't there uh there, there's an extension of that scene in one of the re uh kind of uh recap episodes or, yeah. or what do they call it like uh Behind the clip shows yeah. clip shows where uh clip you, shows you see him actually falling down the mountain the second time it's not just off camera you're seeing his body yeah, the i was lane shading too and almost like right about here is when i realized something's wrong yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, the clip show showed like an extension. It was Wasn't that like, uh, Gumproached? I think it behind the last pair. Yeah, they were talking about like, oh, here's all the time Homer hit his head. And it was like a big montage of it. Yeah, you gotta love the montage where he says dough or gets himself injured. Those are always yeah. the best you know, clip shows. I have an addendum to like my first major memories. When I used to burn CDs and stuff, there were a few tracks that were basically just long compilations of hilarious like quotes and stuff from The Simpsons, and of course that like remix of uh uh i am evil homer from whacking day that's probably my first real major like music memory of the simpsons even if it's not an official one like i would be listening to that all day every day when i was like i don't know well upwards of like seven or eight until like my teenage years well whacking day was a very musical episode because they even got barry freaking white to come on the show yeah and like leave leave the snakes alone and then he like uh but he puts the speakers towards the ground because the snakes feel vibration they can't hear. So yeah. Oh, even, even day, small doses. Oh, day. <laughs> something, something. Even, it's, it, even in small doses, the show's always sort of been able to capitalize off of like these small micro musical moments well, and make them into. I mean, they basically had the formula for stuff like Vine or TikTok before they came around. Yeah, I, I agree, Josh. And also, I remember saying this on our Family Guy episode that. I can remember Family Guy just for its jokes. Whenever I see a joke from The Simpsons, I can remember exactly what episode it was from because the storytelling was just as good as the humor Because there was context. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yay, keep bashing Family Guy. I love this. Keep going, just please. Yeah, I love this. You're getting a raging boner. Yeah. <laughs> you mean a raging hate boner. Uh, yeah, my... This is why first impressions are always really big on me because yeah. I can't... I remember only one scene from the show that made me laugh my ass off when I actually got into the show but as I said before when this show was always on when I was flipping through the channels as a kid before I was allowed to watch it because I was always under the impression like my mom said like the Simpsons is just not for you yet you can't really watch it so it's not like she banned me it's just she said you're not gonna get it definitely my, my mom and, in, in my house I, I the Simpsons was forbidden territory until I turned 13 but here's the thing my mom even tried to ban Spongebob at one oh, point, Jesus. but oh, no. once she start, she thought the show was pathetic, but then she actually started, <laughs> no, my mom started watching episodes and she now can say that her favorite characters are Mr. Krabs and Squidward. Yeah. 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 It, it wasn't until I was 10 years old where I actually started getting into the show, but before that, I'd always remember little moments that I would catch on TV that still made me laugh, even out of context, even before watching the show. And you know, like, that's a powerful show. Like, that's how much this show had a power on me, where I remember these moments. So, the first one being from uh, 2001 Greyhounds, when Homer was picking up the chips, going, ah, uh, and then a dog would swipe up out of nowhere, dope! Ah, uh, <laughs> dope! Uh, dope! And I think that might have been my introduction to the word dope. 
which later on would uh, be in the English dictionary. Yeah, it's in the dictionary now. It's, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. The second one being from uh, Bart's girlfriend after they found out that Jessica Lovejoy was the one that stole the money. They're like, to the to the little girl's room, and they looked up the bed, and they're like, is that the church money? And Mo just comes out of nowhere and goes, yeah, smells like church. I'm like, ha that's so true. Church does have a scent to it. I just remember thinking that as a kid. Um, and the third one, this is my favorite one. From so much like I guess all of us, or maybe especially Evan, because you used to watch a lot of kid shows back then with a yeah. lot of like moral lessons yeah. and like a thing at the end that like kids can learn. So after you know you're used to shows you know where your characters would mess up and you know like they're and they say I'm sorry and then there's the other friends go it's okay we all forgive you and then everyone learns a lesson. So when I popped on the ending of uh, Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. And after Bart confesses to the family that he's the one that burnt all the, the Christmas presents in the tree, when he says, I'm so sorry, there's a pause, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to forgive him. Instead, they lash out on him and no. start choking him. Lisa, Lisa. no, Lisa, your <laughs> hands are too weak. Why is I'll just never forget laughing at, like, all these quick inserts of, like, the family just losing their minds, grabbing each other back, and strangling they made a whole they they made a whole episode called brawl in the family later on where the family gets into a fight i just remember that would like that like broke the formula i was like oh my god that's hilarious yeah (laughs) i will never forget that i was laughing so hard just watching homer strangle bart that that was probably the first time i've seen it obviously yeah Yeah, when i tuned in on it yeah um then when i watched the show the first big laugh was from the call of the simpsons after Homer inexplicably destroys the RV and it goes over the cliff, and he's trying to reassure the family, don't worry, I'm an experienced woodsman. Now, let me just go over here and try to find my bearings. And he starts, like, cursing to himself, like, what have I done? I've murdered us all! I've murdered us all! I've murdered us all! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! He's yelling at his fucking echo. I just remember laughing so hard at that. (laughs) Telling your own echo to shut up. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the big first big laughs, definitely. Yeah, There's sure. too many to count. Um, that's always fun to revisit. Yeah. yeah. All right, so since we're gentlemen, let's go with ladies first. I kind of want to talk about Marge because okay. there aren't that many iconic Marge episodes compared to iconic Lisa or Bart or Homer episodes. The ones that aren't just uh, her leaving Homer and Homer has to reconcile with her. <laughs> Which happens, happens at least yeah, twice a season. Or Marge gets... Marge does blank for 20 minutes, or Marge leaves, and how will the family cope without her? Mm, yeah. Um, Which is mostly the plot for most of the episodes we picked. Yeah, why don't we... Well, so, let's start with Marge. Uh, Lyle, you take it away. Okay, uh, my pick for Marge is Marge in Chains. Uh, an episode I hadn't really thought of much until the uh, pandemic occurred. Yeah, it's twenty. That that episode is twenty twenty in no, a nutshell. Didn't, yes, it was, <laughs> was too real before. Uh, totally fun thing was too real. It was. Mm-hmm. By the way, it was. Uh, what Red Letter Media would call the 2020 episode. Yeah, yeah Red Letter Media yeah. definitely turned me on to this episode. And rewatching it, um, I, I guess if I'll give a brief plot synopsis. Uh, Only brief, or so, else we'll start singing Guys and Dolls if you indulge so, too much. Uh, <laughs> a virus from another country comes into Springfield and when everyone buys an orange juicer and uh, everyone gets super sick from the virus. The virus is called the Osaka flu. The Osaka <laughs> flu virus, that's right. And, uh... Marge has to take care of the entire family because they're all sick and too lazy to help themselves. So she goes to the Quickie Mart to get the supplies. She accidentally shoplifts something and gets arrested and sent to jail. 
and the whole town is like Katrina, like public enemy number one, and uh, the but then they kind of realize they can't really exist without her. And then a riot, and then a riot happens, <laughs> and killer bees. Oh my god! Oh, so so they managed to fit uh, COVID nineteen murder hornets and BLM riots into or just riots in general politicians general, retreating the country and saying everything that's is fine oh, and by the way man. um there's a stat there's a statue of a lame president there as well that gets, that gets over, taken yeah. Out, down yeah yeah, yeah no bad. it is insane the level of uh things that happened that just so happened to happen in 2020 you want to talk about simpsons predicting the future look no more than this episode yeah no absolutely and the reason why i like it as a marge episode is that it, it, it does show that she's just as, like, she's just as helpful around the community as she is with her own family. So, like, when uh, they have the bake sale and they're, like, $15 short or something, it's like, Marge's Rice Krispie Squares could have got us that money. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of nice to have Marge be, like, the spotlight and to show that she, all her hard work uh, towards her family and her community is uh, actually appreciated for once by the end. And, uh, it's kind of funny to see, like, the, you know, the most, the nicest Simpson getting, like, turned bad, I guess, would mean sent to jail, which is something you wouldn't think she would ever do. Mm. That's a nice diversion. And not for the last time, either. Won't be the last, no, no, mm. no. Uh, it also, this episode also has one of my all-time favorite grandpa moments. When, uh, Marge is in jail and she's just like, so how are things at home? We flushed a gator down the toilet, but it got stuck halfway, and now we have to feed it. And <laughs> Grandpa's fighting the croc with a plunger. He's like, plunger. no, you want a piece of me, eh? Well, you ain't gonna get it, see? <laughs> oh, no. He eats his dentures. He's like, oh, gosh, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so surreal to me. I, like for the first time watching, I'm like this is the most. And the alligator just seen. has this big smirk on his mm. face when he eats grandpa's. It's almost teeth. like a political cartoon or something. It's just so like random. <laughs> it's like yeah. when the big fish at the end of uh, the War on the Simpsons when it just like winked to the camera. Yeah, it was like what? But apparently, Matt Groening hated. By the way, oh that. Oh, wink? he hated the fact that it winked. Oh. Because okay. he's like, that's way oh, too no. cartoony. Self-aware humor. Oh, no. A, car- a cartoon is cartoonish. What? <laughs> I'm glad some... I don't know. Look at your own show in about 20 years' time, Matt. You might find some more pertinent issues. Yeah, you, you'll make your head spin. But um, I don't have too, too much else to say about Margin Chains, unless you guys have any other points. Um, It's... uh. It's a classic. I never thought about it until this past year, so yeah. I don't really have much to Me say neither. about it. Like, but it's, it's an eye-opener. It's actually it's... aged remarkably well yeah. because of what has happened in today's uh, news. I just love Wiggum fighting off the virus when it's, like, airborne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just taking out his gun, throws it at it. <gasps> I love how Patty and Selma get each other the exact same gift, too, and they open it like, <laughs> I bad for Otto, though, and all of that. Oh, oh yeah, he gets oh. vomited. He's like he's sunbathing on the roof and he gets vomited. Yeah, because Arnie Pie in the sky is like, I'm not <laughs> feeling so good. I'm not feeling so good, cat. Lawyer! Oh. Right, Mr. Sun, show me what you can do. He goes like, Look out of the corner of fifth and eighth, because I'm gonna be sick! Alright, we should move on. Alright, all right, Josh, what's your Marge episode? The same one I went with in our Golden Age episode, Marge versus the Monorail. I've already uh, talked about it. It's one of the funniest Golden Age episodes. It's the reason why I picked it though is more because Marge, when Marge tends to follow her gut, her gut, she's usually right about something. 
and no one believes that the monorail's not made well. It's not going to run. People are going to die. And she's the only one that can stop it from like basically flying off the tracks and mm. destroying everybody. Mm. And again, it's got Leonard Nimoy. It's got some funny individual moments. The musical parts as well. One of Phil, one of the late Phil Hartman's best guest roles. Yes. One I don't of, think you need any more convincing to watch it than that. One of the things uh, I actually liked about um, uh, the guest starring was like, Leonard Nimoy, it is the most pointless cameo ever, but it works. It anyway. leaves an impression. Yeah. yeah. And then they even kind of hinted at when Barney is like, Lyle, you do an amazing <clears throat> Barney voice. Well, my work here is done. What do you mean, work? You didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Deny. It taught us that no. it taught us that a town without a train is like a mule without a spinning wheel. Yeah. Yeah. I always love it when they finish and their nothing not needed. I love it when they finish their musical number, but Homer still goes, Mono Don't yeah. He's off by one. Um You know what's crazy? Like when I read on the history of the show, or this episode in particular, was it uh, written by Conan O'Brien? Yes. Yeah, it was written by Conan O'Brien. And when it was finished, a lot of the people behind the scenes hated the episode. They didn't think it was going to do well because it was kind of outlandish at the time. Mm. Not as outlandish what? as the, the Simpsons. What? The Simpsons being outlandish? Yeah. I know, right? But, like, at the time, like, I think Yeardley Smith, I think, also said it was like, oh, this is, like, one of the worst episodes we've ever done. And it's going to really? be. Not the one at... where she guest yeah. starred as herself. What? <laughs> oh, did she? She did? When was that? Yeah, one of the recent ones. She guest starred um... as herself. So that's what I'm. It's funny how the people oh, that are running man. the show think these things are going to go badly. Well, I mean, this is all this is, this is all back in the day. Like, not in, hind in hindsight, they probably recognize the genius behind the episode. Yeah. But I, I find it, I find it kind of. Uh, well, I guess I'll, no, I'll talk about. I'll bring up that point when we get to Lisa's episode later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like, and, and just to, to tack on, Conan's written contributions to The Simpsons have always been great. I think it's a, it's a good sign when we'll probably you'll probably be seeing another one of his uh, later on. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot to say. I think we've already said so much about that one, but it, it's always a great one. It's it always is. a classic. It's, that, it's probably my favorite episode, too. Although I don't know if it really classifies as a Marge episode, because the entirety of sim this, this Citizens of Springfield almost feel like the main character in that episode. But Marge ultimately... That's true. I decided to give it to Marge only because of when she's driving to all the different towns to investigate... Yeah, I mean, you're right. She is the most proactive member of the cast at that point. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I can see and it, it, being and it reflects episode. on her role in the Simpson family because she's the, the housewife. She's the homemaker. Simpsons, basically. But she's the one that, you know, focuses on looking after Maggie, on keeping the house in order, on keeping Bart and Lisa motivated and on the right track, and even doing that with Homer. Like, her role in, as, in the family unit is far more significant than the writers tend to give it credit for. You know, it's a good choice, for sure. I agree. And the show is also really nicely self-aware that it's sort of... Because you know how like when people always compare Family Guy to The Simpsons, and then you take a step back further and you say, The Simpsons was trying to be like The Flintstones? It was actually nice that the beginning of the episode did a nice little tip to the hat of The Flintstones by yeah. doing that parody. He's about to hit us. Oh, yeah, no, that, that was the one I think where they're, that's the couch gag. Oh, oh, no, no, it was actually like the beginning. The it was the beginning when uh, Homer so. is going home. Oh, and how yeah. can I forget that nod to the opening? Yeah. That was also one of the first big laughs I had with the show. It was like, from the town of Springfield, he's, he's about, about to, to hit a chestnut tree. tree. Woo! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and then his heart cuts to, like, back at the uh, house or plant. It was back at the um, plant. 
Yes, thank you. I think they were like getting rid of something, and Lenny's like, "Oh well, I'm sleeping good tonight. Yeah. I don't care where it goes." <laughs> Mr. Burns was putting them in the trees at yeah. the public park. This wow. tree held 16 more barrels than the other one. <laughs> and then the trees like to turning into an octopus. There's okay. so many moments. Yeah. In so fact, weird. this episode went over so well that 25 or so years later, they lampshaded it again. What? Where they changed the monorail track into something else, I think. Uh, it was, uh, I think, from season 29 or 30. I'm not... Again, later Simpsons uh, likes to take plot elements from earlier Simpsons and just sort of they throw really them out the wall and see what sticks. Uh -huh. They they either do that or they make sequels to classic episodes that no one has asked for. I love it in uh, Hit and Run, Simpsons Hit and Run. When you, I think it's the Bart level or the Bart section where you can drive like the front end of That's the. Uh, it. it was the it was the old blue mare Sheen, which she used to be when they take the track from the monorail and make it into a sky park. Yeah, yeah, and they, uh, oh, okay. Uh, but in uh, Hit and Run, you can take, like, the first, uh, the... The locomotive. The, lo the locomotive of the, the train, and you can drive it around the Springfield. And the track is still kind of there. And it drives as slow as a turtle. It's a shitty vehicle, yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. But you can, like, is drive Is it as slow as the nuclear bus in Road Rage? I haven't played Road Rage, uh, actually. Oh, nuclear bus. I think that is in Road Rage, yep, yep. That's the one, yep. All right, but That's guys, an aside, man. Like, I yeah. used to own Hit and Run back in the day, but I should really replay it sometime. It's Crazy Taxi, but with The Simpsons. Yeah. And then Hit yeah. and Run is GTA, but with The Simpsons. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, but we should move on. Thank we yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yes. What's your... What, who's next? Evan. Oh, okay. Marge. My favorite Marge episode. I actually was having a hard time picking one, but then Cody, um, I think it was either you or Lyle who reminded me of... A great episode. Oh, yeah, I mentioned this one, too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I know, it was loud. So, basically, and you both encouraged me to talk about it, so I'm going to. Fear of Flying. Uh, yeah. It's an Excellent episode. Excellent choice. I, yeah. I actually kind of forgot about this episode until I had to rewatch it recently. Um, this is why I think this episode works. Um, it blends drama and hilarity. Of, it blends the drama of the Simpson family dynamic and the hilarity of the Simpson family dynamic all into one episode. Well, it's essentially a backstory for Marge. Which yeah. I really which I really like it's, because... It's, it's sad, but it's also the closest, very... Yes. Now, the closest... It's worth... At this point in uh, season six... Six, yeah. Um, we hadn't really gotten any backstory to Marge as a girl. We've gotten backstories... The only backstory we've gotten was in uh, the way we was when more of a teenager. We get yeah. her backstory back into her teenage years, but her childhood is touched on so briefly. You remember in that in Selma's Choice when the, her, their aunt passes away and they show what Patty, Selma, and Marge looked like when they were children, like well, under yeah, ten. And in Moaning Lisa, it shows how her mother kind of forced her to ha always have a brave face through everything. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyways, back to but, the episode. But this episode, Fear of Flying. Um, through a series of hilarious circumstances, an airline gives Homer free tickets to anywhere in the United States. So naturally, um, they don't even say where they're going, but they get on a plane. Marge completely loses it when the plane is about to take off. And uh, the scene is also uh, somewhat relatable if anyone knows is afraid of flying themselves. I know what it was like to be nervous on a plane because I hadn't been on a plane very much in my life, but I know what it's like to be nervous. And Marge just screaming, let me off, 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 let me off. So she goes to therapy and it turns out that um, uh, through her therapy work, uh, a traumatic memory involving her father and piloting and planes 
And stewardess. And stewardess. Don't look at me! Don't look at me! But I mean, it's actually kind of clever in that it does fake you out several other times, you know, with a lot of other memories into thinking, oh, it could have been from this other thing. No, it could have been yeah. this thing instead. And, it's and such... what it actually arrives at is like, it's logical, but at the same time, it just sounds so absurd in that, yeah. you know, you wouldn't expect that would be why she's afraid of flying, but... It's perfectly respectable at the same time. Yeah, and and there's obvious yeah, moments actually, like when their mom's like, "Open up, here comes no, the plane." The like, "Here comes the airplane." Open. <laughs> and then like her little toy plane thing that she was riding it's, along. The engines catch fire. Catch fire, and then they do like a homage to North by Northwest, where she's just at the cornfield with her mom. <laughs> she just starts getting you know shot at. Out of I her. actually think it's quite genius because. When someone is in therapy, it's usually not one... In the movies would have you believe that what someone is in therapy because of one tiny traumatic thing that happened in their lives. No, no. On, an ongoing series of, like, micro-events are what cause tra uh, trauma that's long-lasting. Now, I feel like, you know, Marsh discovering that her father was a steward, uh, or stewardess at the time, that would... Act, I can understand why that would scare her, because, like... Um, well, first, because gender norms. Yeah, no, it, it that's yeah. that's her. Marge is this innocent little girl, and her sense of gender, and wh how she understands, you know, man, a man's role in society versus a lady in society. That was all t turned upside down. And by the way, she thought that her dad was a pilot, and to have that, you know, glory like ripped away from her so embarrassingly. Yeah, like that would that's yeah no that because uh, her dad lied to her. And it involved a plane. It definitely speaks to something about when you're a child, having any sort of illusion of any, yeah. whether it be a parent, anyone you look up to, any role model, when that faith is shattered, it can really scar you for yeah. a long time. And not only, yeah, no, I, I actually would agree with that, but also uh, the fact that, you know, she has a traumatic incident on a plane, and then uh, she, uh, um, then she, it, her, her role as the mother of the family is turned upside down too because you know she can't cook properly she goes in and does like uh, roofing at like 2 in the morning <laughs> when she should have been baking shouldn't you be baking yeah. Marge it's 2am this is, this is one episode where I actually wish I would have experienced it while it was airing on TV with the commercial oh, yeah. breaks because after that initial first act before it cuts the commercial like when it's you know when yeah. established that she has a fear of being on planes and the, and the main family gets off the plane they watch the plane take off you realize that while the commercial break is going on wait wasn't grandpa supposed to be with them <laughs> literally the next that literally we come back to the show and they address it immediately bart's like wait are we forgetting something oh! <laughs> they do like a home alone thing where he's just on the plane no no it, oh, it, reverse. it was home alone in reverse yeah, home alone in reverse yeah yeah, yeah. well because of the, the, the hands on his cheek <laughs> yeah, yeah that, uh, that that's a big laugh for me <laughs> Poor grandpa. So, but it uh, is it, but is it it is a believable episode how it addresses therapy and how it dives into the psyche. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm trying to get to the roots of the problem. Uh, the by the way, it ends on a joke that's like, oh, you thought you think you get away with your trauma, but oh, is it <laughs> suck when you do all that work to heal trauma and then you feel like you're going to be comfortable again and then something goes fucking wrong on the plane? <laughs> the plane. Yeah. That's plane just yeah. the engine powering up. That's just the engine struggling. The plane crashes into a pond. Oh, that's like, just yeah. jet, that's just the carp swimming around your ankles. Yeah, it's like oh poor Marge. All that oh, for Oh my god. And oh I completely forgot to mention, 
the therapist uh, is played by Mrs. Robinson herself. Uh, Anne yes, Bancroft. yes, it's all of its tapestry. Yeah, no, <laughs> Ang Bancroft does a great job in that. She does, yeah. I can't even tell it's her. Uh, uh, then, then she put in her notes like, "What the reasoning for her her being here?" She just puts husband, husband, no, it's husband, like, husband. I'm sorry, husband, doctor. I'm, j- I'm sorry, doctor. He's, uh, she, he's just worried you'll blame all my problems on him. Marge, I'm not here to blame anyone. Circle, husband, husband. husband. (laughs) And then they even joke about that. Well, Marge, you know, we've only begun to scratch the surface. There's still a more serious problem. That's okay. She can get on a plane. That's plenty. (laughs) That's great. It's Uh, kind of a callback to the Springfield episode where she's like, maybe I should take some therapy after my gambling addiction. No, no, no. Therapy's too expensive, Marge. Just don't do it again. Well, well, that was the first time you ever see a member of the Simpsons family in any kind of yeah. position where they have to talk about their past. Well, we we had seen Homer talk about his past all the fucking time, but it was it was Marge. Marge was long overdue for something like that. That, that is a good choice. That is a good choice. Yeah. And they, by the way, what, they were almost going to step on touch on how she needs therapy in Bart's inner child in season five, but that episode gets hijacked by the personal growth and development guy, and then it becomes about Bart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Anyways, that's all I have to say. Fear of flying, and I also am a guy who uh, loves planes. So, hmm, and, naturally, yeah. That's why I recommended that one to you. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I. All right, Cody. What's your next pick? I got the Springfield connection. Ooh, nice. You want to talk about female empowerment, boys? This episode's like ahead of its fucking time. It really is. So <laughs> after. Marge and Homer are out, are out and about. I think they were at like a Star Wars concert or something like that. They were playing the theme at the beginning. Yeah. 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 Like a John Williams thing. She foils like a, a scam kind of thing on the street with involving Snake. She yeah, foils that. Hustler, yeah. And um, she loves the thrill of taking people down. And I like the little things she was going through at the beginning. Like, you know, riding the grocery cart and trying to get under the garage door before it closes. And then she finds out if I join a cop, I can fulfill that sort of thrillment. So she does, and um, it kind of just goes from there of her actually becoming so obsessed with being in that profession because it gets to a point where it's my favorite scene in the episode where she actually arrests Homer for parking yeah. parking in a handicap spot at this quickie mart. No, across yeah. three. Oh, across yeah. three of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. jerk yeah. ass. He also proceeds to make fun of her on top of that. Took her hat too. Jer- fact, jerk like, ass Homer number five hundred and eight. But sometimes, this is why I kind of changed my vote from, like, something like uh, Homer the Heretic to this, to, you know, other other episodes, is that sometimes it's, it's a Marge and Homer episode. This one, it's six to Marge, and she's not always, she always thinks, like, oh, do I decide between my man or this? This is the point where she does not give a fuck about Homer. Mm-hmm. And I find that kind of groundbreaking for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that she's a little bit out of her element, you know, like, she's out of her comfort zone being that stay-at-home wife, and she's... Like, just, she saves the day at the end in a very satisfying way. Yeah. Like, that whole shooting rampage montage kind of, like, pays off wonderfully at the end. Yeah. Um, it also brings up a little bit of lore with the fact that, uh, one-armed Herman is fucking up to no good. Oh, I mean, just look at the guy. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, it always (laughs) alluded, but the fact that, like, he's actually doing something very criminal in the underbelly of Springfield. With he's those an people. underrated character. I wish they did yeah. more with him. With jeans, right? Wasn't it like yeah, counterfeit, counterfeit, counterfeit jeans? Counterfeit yeah. jeans. Yeah, yeah. That rip very easily and have lousy stitching. <laughs> Probably the funniest line is when he, she was doing the training montage 
He's trying to get up the wall. <laughs> Wiggum's like, women always have problems with the walls. They never see that door right there. And it's just a bunch of guys walking through the door. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be sexist, but it's just kind of pointing out the obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, not much to really say. Actually, one really crazy thing I noticed in the first half of it, like when it was right after they arrested Snake, Watch that whole episode at the end from the beginning. Marge's pearls, and I know that this happens a lot in the show where it could be just like a shot or two where like it, it's it's white and usually the white pearls belong to Lisa. And oh, wow. Marge's pearls is always the kind of reddish orange. Orange, right? they're orange. The entire first part of the five, six minutes of the episode is all white. And Wiggum's hair is like season one black. Yeah, no, yeah, see, it it, 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 it's it, so strange. A, co- a couple times <laughs> in the episode, he has black hair in some shots and then blue hair in the like, what is it? We're in season six, goddammit. We're not in season one. What yeah. is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not much to, yeah, I just, I find it a little bit more of a female empowerment episode and it's nice to see Marge out of her element. And anytime, speaking of hit and run, I always throw on the cop uniform. Oh, yeah. I feel a little bit more empowered when I play her levels in a cop uniform. Okay, so that's all the Marge episodes. Alright, get out of here! It's time to leave! (laughs) I've been having a boring time sitting here with you guys. Wow. Alright, now let's move on to Little Lisa. Little Lisa. Little Lisa. Lisa. Oh, yes. Little Lisa, Little Lisa. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong show entirely. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that. All right, Mr. Lyle, take it away. Mr. Lyle is my father's name. Have <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Lisa is a little bit difficult. I'm not always the ma- a greatest fan of Lisa episodes because sometimes I find them very preachy. But one episode I do like because it actually does a lot to her character is uh, season two's uh, Lisa Substitute, mm. the mm. classic one. Mm. one I talked about this in the Golden Age. Yeah, I mean, I was tossed between this and Moaning Lisa, but that one's a little bit dour. This one's a little bit more um, upbeat, and it shows a lot more of her character. Um, Lisa Substitute, if I had to break it down, Lisa, basically, Miss Hoover thinks she has Lyme disease, so uh, she gets replaced with um, uh, Mr. Bergstrom, who is a substitute teacher. Uh, who uh, really clicks with Lisa. He's very, very outgoing. He's He has a very, very good approach when it comes to teaching little children. And uh, she develops a very uh, huge bond over him. It almost borders on, like, crush at times. Yeah. Now... Dustin Hoffman guest stars, Dustin Hoffman but guest he stars. but he doesn't he goes under a pseudonym he doesn't use his real name. On yeah, the show. he goes by Sam Edick yeah. in this episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to wrap up the plot, um, basically, it causes a bit of a divide between Lisa and Homer's bond because she almost treats the teacher as more of a father figure than Homer ever was. So it puts into question Homer's a uh, real relationship with his daughter, yeah. and that's what I think is the strongest part of the episode. So, um, yeah, I mean, Mr. Bergstrom, for a one-shot character, he's very good. I, I love him. He's like the substitute teacher we'd all want yeah. to be our actual teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because Miss Hoover sucks. There's no other way to say it. So. Miss Hoover is negligent. She's lazy. She's worse than she, Crabapple. She gives no fucks. Speaking of cra- Crabapple, uh, Crabapple, sorry. Crabapple goes Mrs. Robinson on uh, Mr. Bergstrom's ass there. <laughs> this is Crabapple. Oh, I feel like you're trying to seduce me. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of references. Yeah, yeah a lot now, of references. I think all of Dustin Hoffman's hit movies were referenced. At least one of them was referenced. Because Midnight Cowboy was referenced. The Graduate was referenced. Rain Man is referenced with the Marathon train. Man was referenced, too. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um... Yeah, but no, and uh, I think the best part of the episode is definitely by the end when uh, he has to leave because you know he has another job to do, 
and uh, Lisa's all heartbroken, and Homer's pretty um, apathetic to it. He's like, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand. And then Lisa calls him a baboon and yeah. storms off. Homer has a really nice, like, redemption arc at the end of the episode where he makes amends with Lisa. He, like, accidentally breaks her dollhouse. He's like, oh, I broke it. I guess that's why I'm good at monkey work. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just find that whole speech he has with the lullaby music playing in the background so nice and wholesome. And then I also forgot to mention the Bart supply. It's irrelevant, but, like, he even helps Bart out with a situation where it's like, well... Is Martin gonna do all this work for nothing? Is Nick the baby have his bottle? Oh, uh, that's the election one, right? The election, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the class election. class election, where no one voted, I guess, but uh, that's just <laughs> part of the joke. And he even helps Maggie. Now, you calls. can make a joke that that, you know, the whole poor voter turnout thing, that's never played a part in real life at all, no. no oh, no. boy! <laughs> and he even, uh, and, yeah, and then he even helps Maggie fall asleep, and then Margie's like, oh, is everything okay, Homer? He's like, shh. Honey, I'm gonna go to don't, bed. Marv, don't stop me. I'm on the biggest role of my life. And that's really nice, because ultimately it's about the bond between Lisa and Homer, and I think that was a very, very nice way to, to cap off an excellent episode. Um, it was great acting from Yardley. Like, it's actually, yeah. like, a very good fit of rage oh, yeah, that she yeah. delivers. Mm -hmm. No, no, there's so many dimensions to Lisa's emotions in this episode. Like, she'll, she'll be kind of moody. There's one part where, like, she gets super fucking excited just to have him over for dinner. It's like, can I can I have wine? Are you having wine? Does does Bart have to be there? Like, she's all, like, giddy. Like, there's, like, this nice spectrum of uh, feelings. It's not just, like, oh, it's another Lisa sad episode. There's, yeah. I feel a lot for her in the, throughout the entire she's, runtime. I guess one could say she's quite moody. Mm -hmm. She's a moody girl. See you later, When girl. it comes to her personally, it's definitely one of the big milestones of her character. It wasn't until Mr. Lisa goes to Washington where her political views start to define her as a character. Yeah, that yeah. too, for sure. Like, she's, she's the outspoken liberal of the family, and sometimes she's the neo-lib who goes too far. The environmentalist, the feminist. But Moaning the... Lisa is a great introduction character, too, even for season one. It's sad how it deals with, like, mental illness with her. Yeah, but I love her bond with Blaine Gums Murphy. I was yeah. tempted to talk about this one, but I just think this one has more substance. Yeah, Speaking so. of uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy... Mm, yeah, hmm. yeah I, I, I've had my say on Lisa Soaps, too. It's definitely the one. And always remember, you are insert name here. <laughs> yes. That is the message. That's yeah. an amazing moment. Very good. Alright, Josh. Alright, so... My pick is one that I believe Lyle did touch on in the Golden Age episode, but uh, especially in the last month or two, I feel like it is incredibly poignant. Although sometimes depressing, it does end on a very heartwarming note, and I'm going with Round Springfield. Yes! That's a great one. Jasmine testifies. That scene is really beautiful on its own, but as a sort of sequel sorts to Moaning Lisa, when someone you believe in and you consider a hero passes away, it's incredibly crushing. Yeah. And just to see Lisa basically having to cope with it alone because her family can't relate. There's a scene at a funeral where she is literally the only one there. And although it's lampshaded that Dr. Hibbert might be his long lost brother, it's never really, there's never really that idea brought up again until decades later in a completely different season. But just the way that Bart does a, Bart is able to come through for her at the end and a miracle allows this record to be heard by a whole town. And yeah, the little uh, James O. Jones cloud gag. <laughs> just just the end where they both play jazz man again with him in the clouds. It, it really brought everything together. And it's, 
it's it's showing that yes, Lisa can be a, a, a know-it-all at times. She can be, you know, very outspoken with to the point of detriment. But she is still an eight-year-old at heart. And you know, when you're a kid, you have a hard time understanding death fully. And this is, I think, the best example of where there are some things you just don't have the answer for. But she still makes the best of it. Uh, I also like to point out that it's actually one of the few episodes where something that ha a plot point that is brought up in the very beginning of the episode actually has payoff at the end because Bart uh, gets a stomach ache and no one believes oh, him. That yeah. is that, okay. I know that it's a tough episode dealing with death, but that is a fucking tough episode for me to watch with him swallowing that fucking piece of metal uh, the, and that cereal. The oh, jagged crusty. God, that's just a phobia of me. I just I'm. Oh no! You're always afraid you're gonna it's eat something bad. Something foreign that just you swallow and it's not supposed to be there, and it will cut up your. Oh no! Uh, no. Well, the payoff for that though is Bart ends up helping the hospital because now the entire class wants their appendixes removed. <laughs> yeah, and no one shows up to school. Well, well, because Lisa was the only one who believed that Bart had a stomachache and possibly saved his life because appendicitis is not to be trifled with. I always remembered the Bill Cosby joke. He's like, you see, the kids, they listen to the rap, which gives them the brain damage. You see? You see you, right you see how Stark Raving Dad is, is deleted but that's Disney fine. Plus, but that sequence, that sequence is okay. Uh, yeah, Bill, Co not, Bill yeah. Cosby gained off easy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Round Springfield is just, I think it's one of the more wholesome Lisa episodes solely because... It's not her being a mouthpiece for the current writers to put out whatever ideas they want. It's mm -hmm. not her being acting like she knows more than everyone else and getting offended for it. It's just a concept that no matter how old you are, you're never really going to fully understand. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. Let's go with Evan. Okay. So, it's not... Um, I don't... This episode has kind of hinted that Lisa's a nerd. But no other episode until the last episode of season seven re really deals with how Lisa feels about not being cool. Summer of four foot two. Oh yes. Is um, you I, know, like whatever. Like you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, Re review over. Let's move on. Hey, <laughs> Cody, what's your pick? So, anyways, <laughs> it's the beginning of summer and no one signs Lisa's yearbook on the last day of school. The family goes on a. Uh, vacation to uh, a beach house on the Atlantic Ocean somewhere, and uh, I think it was Flanders' beach house. It was. Yeah, no, they don't have the Simpsons. Don't have a beach house because uh, you know Homer sucks with the money. They can fly anywhere around the world. You know, because they can almost house. be millionaires until they're not. So anyway, so Lisa <laughs> decides I'm going to be cool and I'm going to be the cool kid when I you know befriend the local cool kids. So. Um, she meets um, a teenager and her friends played by guest star Kristen, uh, Christina Ricci and they become friends and Lisa wears a tie-dye shirt, a ball, a sideways ball cap, whatever. If it was cool in the mid-90s, it was, she wore it's it. It's another outfit that you can change in Hit and Run, by the way. Yeah, so <laughs> Lisa goes dressed as that and she starts talking differently, but the thing is, You'd think that having Lisa be cool would be played for last, but no. It, they And they do have a few jokes, but 
Lisa being cool isn't actually cringy. When she acts cool, she act, I get a sense that she's still being herself, but just a little differently. She's mm-hmm. spicing up a little. When there are, uh, there have been plenty of tropes in television where the nerdy kid tries to be cool yeah. and it's the dumbest thing ever. I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah. it's not dumb to watch mm-hmm. Lisa be cool. Yeah. And it actually makes me feel for her when Bart gets jealous and barges in with, Hey guys, you want to see how cool Lisa Simpson really is? I actually wanted to physically assault Bart when he did that. That's one of his lower moments. That like, whole scene, though, when they're, they're throwing her up on the sheet, and you can see the camera move in and out as Bart yeah. sits, like, no! And he's, like, got the yearbook, and he's, like, nodding. That, like, zooming in and out, you can like you can see that there was a lot of effort in going into that. And then there were, like, the nicer moments, like, Millhouse comes along for some reason, but they play that board game, and of course, they make the joke about him being the dud. Well, okay, Millhouse, get the way he gets treated in this episode is the highlight for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the reason why Millhouse was invited is because um, Marge is like, Bart, you can invite Millhouse. Lisa, you can invite a friend too. And then Lisa doesn't have any friends to invite, so that was, Millhouse being there was to kind of split that difference. I guess Janie was on vacation too or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't yeah. bring her up. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, this, she was on a vacation from being relevant. This, no, this, epi- <laughs> this episode completely disregards Janie the character. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, Lisa doesn't really have, like, a best friend that she hangs out with all the Except time. Except for the beginning of Flaming Moe's, where she has, like, a slumber party going on. Remember, they were trying to get Bart to get yeah. him, give him a makeover. I'm like, where did all these friends come from? What the hell? So, <laughs> yeah. oh, um, also, um, this episode ends with one of the most heartfelt things you'll ever see in The Simpsons, and also one of the funniest Wait, jokes. merciful crap! My car! Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, the emotions! Oh, like the seagulls are everywhere. So, so that yeah, that was funny though. But yeah, yeah, I know which one you're going. So for. basically, yeah, yeah. the kids basically decorate um, Lisa, the family Simpson family car with seashells and ocean-like local artifacts because um, Lisa taught them about life by the ocean when they had that beach party. And I thought, wow, like they. They really, despite the fact that they thought she was a dork, they actually really valued her presence. And, um, uh, what's the name of, uh, what's the name of uh, Christina Ricci's character? Uh, I can't remember. Um, Aaron? Aaron, yeah, Aaron. Aaron says, we never cared who you were, and you can't fake the the good person that you are. That's, that's, I think, one of the most important things any friend can ever say to a person. It's deep shit, yeah. And it ends on a Beach Boys song. Yeah, it does. Mm. Of course. And then, so it's a nice little moment, and then what Josh said. Homer just freaks the fuck out. Because, like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. They put dead things all over my car. No, no the way he just me. says that line, sweet, merciful crap, my car. The way he delivers it is oh. so funny. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah. And as an aside, this episode also even has, it sort of delves into just, like, some of the other family members experiences there of course homer it being a fourth of july episode which we're recording this a day after july 4th but the whole thing about homer wanting to get fireworks and then he lights it but realizes he has nowhere to put it so he just crams it in the dishwasher oh my god all that black smudge just fills up he couldn't he couldn't wait a day he couldn't wait till that night to set it off you can just take it out of the house the same reason why you hear fireworks for four straight days or any time during the summer because you know yeah you got scratched at it somehow 
Um, Wasn't it Flanders' cabin that they stayed in? It was. <laughs> Poor yeah. Flanders. Well, this episode hope. in particular, it being a season finale for season seven, you can really feel like it's a transition point for the show because they're definitely trying to move stuff forward and, and, and at least progress the characters more. Now, the episode, the song, I, every, now, um, this song didn't come out until years after I saw Summer of Four Foot Two, but when I heard the song Cool Kids by Echo Smith for the first time, I thought, this song reminds me of Summer of Four Foot Two. Yeah. 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 I, when you showed that to the group, I listened to that, and I, yeah. I can hear it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Because Echo Smith, it was like a mid two thousands twenty ten song that no, sounded it, uh, like Cool Kids. I think was from twenty thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, it was an early twenty tens episode. Mm. It twenty early twenty ten song, sorry, and uh, it sounds like something you would hear in the nineties. That's what I liked about hey, it. Hey Evan, do you ever listen to Simpsons Wave uh, or Vaporwave Simpsons? Yeah, I should Simpsons probably get it. Wave. I should probably get it. We never that. address that, but there's like all these videos on YouTube yeah. where people like to add all these eighties retro filters. And all this like synth music, it's it's based on well, vaporwave. It's, it's it's vaporwave, but with like Simpsons visuals. So if you're already into vaporwave, you would definitely want to get on this train. They but always... if you're not big on vaporwave, it may not sway you anymore. Wait, uh, vaporwave tell... basically hits you right in the nostalgia feels. It always makes you feel a lot it's, older. It's it's the filters, honestly. It's the way they're edited. Yeah. It's pretty interesting content. I would recommend you guys check it out. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Commander Cody, prepare my prepare my pipe for an immediate bowl. <laughs> I got get I got to get into that. Okay, um, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, my yeah. favorite my favorite Lisa episode, Lisa the Vegetarian. Mm. I was close to picking this one, but you beat me to it. Because <laughs> I I love how after this episode, the show sticks with her life choices. Yeah. That becomes a thing that carried out throughout the entire show afterwards. Mm. It doesn't just retcon it. It was a note that Paul McCartney gave to the showrunners. Yeah. It was a change they had to do if he wanted to be on the episode. Ah. It, except that one time where, like, you know, she didn't totally eat meat, but she kind of did. Was that the where Bart slingshots meat and she's like, Ah, you ate meat, you ate meat, and then she slingshots veggies, you ate veggies. <laughs> I remember that one. But yeah, I remember that. But after after a day of going to the zoo, when Lisa befriends with a little cute happy sheep, <laughs> she Lamb, yeah. suddenly starts to realize, wait, what was the difference between me loving animals in real life and eating the animals? So mm-hmm. she decides to make a choice. I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And this starts to create friction in the family because they're all carnivore meat eaters, and especially Homer. Yeah. Deciding to make a barbecue, I'm sorry, a BBBQ, <laughs> a BBQ. B. The extra B is for BBBBB. What's the what, wait? What's the extra B stand for? That's a typo. And um, yeah, it shows that her character is really growing, and it sticks with that. And um, a lot of funny scenes in this, like with the, you can still eat, you know, you don't have to eat lambs, you can eat. Uh, chicken breasts, rump roast, hot dogs, and it's a combination of like a, a tongue on a boot, a, a rat tail, because that's feet of a that's bird. why I hate hot dogs because there's too much artificial <laughs> shit in a wiener. It could be so, made of anything. Like also, it. hot dogs. I don't like the taste of hot dogs. They're they're disgusting. But it even goes as far as her feeling guilty about dissecting little even like insects because like, she Lisa don't get to what did, me. what did I ever do to you why does the lamb sound why does the worm sound like a lamb <laughs> <laughs> and that fucking Troy with, with this episode as well it yeah. does also show a, I mean as, as 
big as it has Lisa stick to being a vegetarian, it shows one of her major flaws in that when she gets when she sticks to her ideals, like she even over sticks to them. Yeah, like to the point that she sabotages time. the barbecue simply because she has an issue with Homer. Yeah, yeah, that that, that pork steak. Of course, leading to it's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. It's gone, Dad. I know. Hey, Smithers, I think I'll donate if I start to see pigs fly. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that a Pink Floyd animals reference? Um, the term when pigs fly. Is if you like, want it to be an no, but the shot, even like the the towers in the background and seeing a, a pig fly, it kind of reminds me of that album cover. I mean, that's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. but when pigs fly is a common mm. expression. Okay, yeah, I just want to. Like, I just want to get. I want to get your musical like, takes on that. It's like when yeah. te- technically over. they do two when pigs fly references in the same season if you include Homer Palooza. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. And I would argue that is the proper animals reference: the inflatable pig. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I do. I don't like it when Lisa like shoves things down other people's throats. But that's a good thing. They do address that. They do. They do address that. And what's nice is that she learns from Apu, who kind of comes out of nowhere in the episode too. There wasn't anything that kind of set it up. It's like a duex machina of just Apu saving the day. But it kind of helps give Apu character development at the same time because at that point we only knew a little bit about him from Homer and Apu, and that was oh yeah. I will get to Apu later. Oh yeah, for sure. Nothing, yeah. nothing a poo yeah. yeah, but like it, it helped that it shows that like just because you believe in something that's different from somebody else, it doesn't mean that someone is automatically lesser as a result. Wow, what a groundbreaking quote that the internet should take on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and about your opinions before you decide to put your fingers on the typewriter and press yeah. a comment. You know, I will think say, for a second. I will say this: the garden that Apu has above the roof of the Quickie Mart is absolutely gorgeous. You yeah. can go. You can go in there. And I would love to see room, that yeah. garden in like the new animation style because they could really actually make it a lot bigger than it is. Make it like really dense. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and then I love the secret entrance to the garden. It's like. What do you do if someone wants non-alcoholic beer? You know it's never come up. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you get Paul, Paul and Linda McCarthy making a great camera. Yeah. Park, oh, sorry. Might Mac- I say McCarthy? <laughs> Paul and, the, Paul and his Paul late wife. McCartney. McCartney. His late wife, Linda, yeah. 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 All, all really good stuff. That, that Troy McClure educational video was hilarious. Yeah. They can't expect us to eat that tribe. Uh, no, children, please help yourself to this Troy. <laughs> uh, of all the Beatles cameos they've had over the years, uh, maybe I'm biased because Paul's always been my favorite, but that one's my favorite. Mm. Yeah, well, that actually one has a message because when Ringo has, well, when Ringo guest starred, there was a point that to was it. super early on the show. George too. Harrison was just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his like, star power was the guest star, not George Harrison himself. Yeah. And, and when Lyle, when you're talking about the dynamic between Homer and Lisa, I really like the way they ended off this, where she does respect the fact that Homer's going to probably continue eating meat and mm. the fact that homer because he's it's, it's so in character he's dumb he doesn't understand but all he wants to do is make her happy so all she, she he's gonna do is just not give her meat yeah it just ends with a nice little cute uh wait piggyback or is it veggie back <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was nice and then who cannot love an episode that ends with baby i'm amazed with a pig flying th- soaring through the sky yeah <laughs> like <laughs> and i can't forget Apu's lovely rendition of sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club oh band. my god i'm gonna leave now yeah <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah just like lisa oh, like, i don't know yeah. if them bopping along to it is they genuinely enjoy it or they're just uh, humoring him it's funny how they Probably don't both. say that Apu, it's funny how they, they don't say that Apu is a vegan 
but that's what he is. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that was a term back then. But no, like, I get what they were talking about. As an animation point, with Paul's eyes, it's or Linda's eyes rather, it's nice to actually see that they can animate pupils in colors other than black. Yeah, yeah, yeah I noticed no kidding. That. Yeah, yeah. You don't really see that with any other with many other guest stars or regular characters. Unless it's, like, for the purpose of a joke. Did Linda Ronstadt have, like, animated nice looking Yeah, she did. Yeah. For, I think. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Yeah. I'm very vague on that. Glimmer, yeah. Maybe some nice mascara. Well, as they <laughs> always, as your song says, time to live and let live. <laughs> Actually, it was live and let die. Whatever, it's a catchy tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a character-defining moment for her that I'm happy carries out throughout the whole sher- series. And the fact that they respect each other's views at the end. It's like... Everybody, watch that episode and take away. It's like the Respect. Episode, it's like the episode where she becomes a Buddhist, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, one episode, Richard Gere. Yeah. Which also transitioned uh, and became a milestone for her character, too. Mm. Didn't have time to mention that one, but it's a worthy shout-out. Well, Lisa, thank you for listening to that. And if you excuse me, I'll be in my room. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of catchphrase is that? <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's let's uh, now move on to the gentleman of the family. But let's spin it around. Let's go the other way. Starting with Bart. Let's take it away, Evan. Okay. Lemon of Troy. Excellent choice. Bart needs. He's a part of us all. 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 Sorry for repeating it, but it'll help you remember. <laughs> it really. And it does. It, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, Bart is. It, I chose this to be a Bart episode, but this is one of the few episodes where. All the principal kids, except Ralph, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I'll mention him later. I, I, don't, I don't know why Ralph was singled out of this episode, but yeah. all the the all the kids who we typically see around Springfield. This includes Martin Prince, Nelson Muntz, Milhouse, uh, Van Houten, and uh, even Data uh, makes a comeback, but not like Matt, Gr- Matt Groening's least favorite character makes an appearance. In Data, episode. yeah, he hates that character. Oh yeah. So, Data wasn't really a... The last time Data was a character was... In, it's Database. Was actually... Data, databases, database was... Uh, the last time he was a character was also in a Bart episode. Bart's comic. But we're going to talk about Lemon of Troy. So... Uh, t- oh, t- uh, Rod and Todd Gliders, I believe, go as well. So, basically, um, after Marge's Little Less on Town Pride and the Shelbyville kids steal the Springfield Lemon Tree... The Bart takes a bunch of the kids from Springfield and they lead a reconnaissance and recovery mission to find the stolen lemon tree and bring it back to Springfield. In true comedic fashion, that Springfield and Shelbyville are clones of each other. Yeah. So, like the That's genius. Yeah. So I yeah, love how all this time <laughs> by Shelby when Bart uh, skateboards past Shelbyville Elementary, you see the groundskeeper in overalls and you think, oh, it's another Willie. It's a female Scots lady. <laughs> And then, oh, as a female Willie, you get to see what Willie would look like as a woman. Also, there's um, uh, Joe's instead of Moe's, and instead of and at the local convenience store, instead of an Indian con- clerk, it's a Chinese clerk. Mm. And so, which you know, that's really true because um, most convenience stores, at least where I live, are staffed by either uh, brown or Asian people. So, but yeah, so it just kind of harkens back to the stereotype. So. Uh, See, what if if Kim's convenience was set in Shelbyville the whole time? Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, uh, they also show Homer's Shelbyville doppelanger when uh, they actually do find the lemon tree. And it's in in uh, an impound lot. And uh, Shelby, that's the name of the kid who is basically the Shelbyville equivalent of Bart. 
Oh, oh, and speaking Shelby of equivalent, Hill, yeah. So yeah, no, the the kid Bart's uh, Shelbyville equivalent is a kid named Shelby, and uh, Millhouse's equivalent is also named Millhouse. I thought I was the only one. A pain I know all too well. So this is what it feels like when doves cry. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Millhouse. But anyways, so. Uh, when uh, you see Shelby's dad, it's the idea is he's a clone of Homer. He's, he's a dumb, you know, he's a dumb, typical American buffoon. I love uh, Shelby's dad. I always remind it always reminded me if you fused uh, Hank Hill and Homer together, I feel like you would get uh, his dad. That's true. They both have meme potential. Yeah, it's like that tree's been in our town since the time of our forefathers. Get it back, or we'll bust it there and take it. Bust it there and take it. You must be stupider than you look. Stupid oh. like a fox. And then uh, they get when he, when when uh, Shelby's dad eats one of the lemons. Yeah, and it's called Lemon of Troy because they actually get the lemon tree back via a Trojan horse inspired stunt. So that's um it, yeah no it, it's a fun it's a fun episode. I like the adventurous aspect of it and. It's also cool to see kids that you normally think would never get along have to work together, like, um, Martin and Nelson. Hark to the tale of Nelson and the boy he loves so dear. They remain the best of friends for years and years and years. There's a, there's a YouTuber that I brought up before on, on so to speak, about, uh, Patrick H. Willems. Oh, yeah? He did a oh, episode yeah. about the perfect, what's the perfect Simpsons episode in terms of its writing, and he picked Lemon of Troy. Because there are, a, after watching that, there were a lot of more setups and payoffs in that episode than I, I thought of initially. Oh, wow. It's, it's packed. It's loaded. Like, everything that is essentially set up in the first act, even if it's subtle things, have a payoff and come into play yeah. in the third act. Like, little things, too. Like, so I, I highly recommend people watching that one if you want to deep dive into yeah. that episode. Right. Also, yeah. and, um, and a trait that this episode goes into that they really should consider more of is Bart's surprisingly natural leadership and charisma like yeah. the first example was part the general where he was able to rally all the kids together to defeat nelson and here he basically rallies the entire neighborhood back for actually a very noble cause mm -hmm. and it yeah. shows that as much as Bart likes to think he's an underachiever if he actually committed to you know being a solid you know expanding on that leadership he could actually go somewhere isn't it funny how the episode starts with a fantasy of Bart being worshipped by future generations as, you know, a noble character and like, he will be our new god! And the end of the episode, Bart is the town hero. Yeah, if you replaced Bart with, like, TJ Detweiler from Recess, the episode would still work. It, it would, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Lemon of Troy is Recess School's out. This explains everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Which, ironic that that's 20 years old now, too. Uh, I'm old. I got uh, Shelby, old. Shelby even has a... Now let's all a, celebrate with our beet juice. Shelby even oh, looks... Where's the turnip? Shelby even kind of looks like... Uh, Shelby even kind of looks like TJ Deadwire. Yeah, with the backwards hat. You with the backwards red hat. Sure, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that, was, actually, this this would have been season seven, so it would have been like ninety five, ninety six. No, Recess I got only started. I think in. I got correct you. Season six. Ninety seven, right? No. Yeah. No, that would be ninety five or six. This was. It would have been a year or two before Recess started, but hmm. who knows? Yeah. Actually, I, one of the co-creators did work on The Simpsons in the very, very early season one days. I think like he worked on Simpsons roasting on an open fire, and then I think he left after. See, uh, Bart the Genius, I think. 
God, the the uh, the tangents. The the the, uh, the connections between all these shows is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, should we? Uh, Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> we should uh, probably carry on. No, that, that, oh, was, that sure, was a sure. great pick, though. Yeah, that's an excellent. Eat my game. shorts, Shelby Bell. Eat my shorts. Yes, eat all of our shirts. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Josh. Okay. My Bart pick, I actually had to give some thought to because I didn't realize how um, relevant it actually is until I rewatched it recently. And uh, from season five, my pick is Bart Gets Famous. Yeah. That's a good one. Josh, I'm, say it. I always Josh, feel like Josh, I have to double Josh, check what season it is. Josh, say the line. Say the line. I didn't do it. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you just blew out your own uh, speakers again. <laughs> yeah, um, now, I didn't go into this initially, but it actually is a really brilliant and biting meta commentary on what it's like to be a viral superstar for a week or several. And especially in what I sort of consider the age of hyper-social micromedia in things like, you know, TikTok and stuff like Snapchat or even when Vine was around, the idea of such short pieces of content that can be seen hundreds of thousands or more times over. Mm. You know, especially for kids, when there's any modicum of fame or when you're known for anything outside of your small group of people, that can be a really terrifying and scary thing to overcome and you know the fact that Bart becomes the new hit thing in America for a matter of time it's also a really interesting reflection for the from the writer's perspectives on how big the Simpsons had become by that point yeah for sure mm -hmm. everything is a fad if that fad is one it is and this, the fact that like it pokes fun at all the different merchandise Bart gets the same way that by that point the show is riding that train as hard as they could. At the beginning of that episode, is that the one where Bart comes down the stairs and he's whistling the Simpsons theme, and then Marge just says, "Bart, stop whistling that annoying sound." Ah, that was that yeah. was the one. But yeah, it even starts yeah. with poking fun himself. But it's also like Bart does take it in stride. But the whole point is, he goes viral because he unintentionally does it by messing something up. But the more it goes on, you can see that he's trying to keep, like he tries to keep doing it because that's all he knows. But even on even when he's on Conan's show, you know he, he he like you don't dance. Only I may dance. Yeah. Did Conan ever do that? Conan ever do that on his show? Because you look at the you look at the husk of the show today, and a lot of it is doing everything to keep itself relevant. I brought this up uh, before we recorded, like the fact that in the last few that in the last eight to ten years there's been things like having an opening a couch gag that's basically the Harlem Shake having characters floss, you know, referencing things like cryptocurrency or medicinal cannabis. Right. You know, whatever topic is hip and trendy at the time the episode gets written, and by the time it actually gets fully produced and aired, it's a year or two later, and it may have already dated itself. You know, the, Bart Gets Famous is about fame is, very, is fleeting, but enjoy the ride while it's there. Yeah, like I said, fad is one letter away from fade. As oh, I say. Wow. Mm. Now, um, I hope uh, kids of the world have never had to suffer through the boredom of a of a field trip to the box factory. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least SpongeBob would dig it. 
Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, what kind of... Hey, wait a minute. What kind of box factory are we talking about here? <laughs> I, I even love the little dialogue between Bart and Krusty. Like, Bart is trying to remind Krusty of all the times he's helped him out over the years, and the fact that Krusty still doesn't remember him. It's an interesting parallel. It's You could almost say it's almost like that saying, never meet your heroes. That's exactly what it is. And it, and it kind of shows that at the time, or I mean, it can even be relative for this time, the sort of intelligence of people's sense of humor, how it's sort of defleeting, where Krusty devotes, after Bart does this, this line that picks up and it becomes like a, a phenomenon, he has a segment on a show where all Bart does is walk into a room, breaks a vase on the floor, and he goes, I didn't do it. <laughs> and then the whole fucking crowd thinks that's hilarious. <laughs> it just, it's painting commentary that, on how it's like, that's just lowbrow as you can get, and it still gets a laugh. And Krusty still tried to it, suck off the fame of that. Yeah, yeah. E even at the time, it is still, they, I mean, the reason why they went with that is it's the same thing as any major character in that era, late 80s, early 90s, having their own catchphrase that that's all you become known for. And even mm. though Bart's had a few of those over the years, you know, at the end of it, he kind of just goes back to life as it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, next, Lyle. <clears throat> okay, so I had a tricky one here. I was very tossed between... Uh, I, I was tossed between a very classic episode from the early era or an episode that's so far in the future that probably most people haven't seen it. So I thought I'd give a shout-out. I, I decided, no, I won't talk about Bart versus Thanksgiving because a lot of people talk about that one. I'm going to talk about... Season 23's... Uh, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there are, there's a 23rd season, Cody. Oh, what? It's out there. You'll see the it. The one eventually. with Lisa Goes Gaga that I'm dreading. Oh, wow, what a rebel. He's actually going post-Golden Age. Post-Golden Age, yes. And this episode is called A Totally Fun Thing That Bart Will Never Do Again. You talked about this in the Abyss, and it actually sounds like a really cool episode. Yes, yes. We've mentioned it a few times in this episode. I'm going to break it down. So, uh, you ever been in a rut... <laughs> You ever had, like, weeks just burn by because you keep doing the same damn thing over and over again? All the time. And yet you feel no, like... No, and I want that stricken from the record. <laughs> yes. Welcome to life. Welcome to life. And that's exactly what this episode is. It's basically welcome to life. Bart's incredibly bored with himself. He wants a change. And he sees on a commercial that, oh, I could go on a cruise. That'd be a great thing to do. And uh, he actually really tries his ass off to earn the money. He basically sells all of his earthly possessions to get this cruise. And it doesn't really pan out. But then the family's like, you know what, Bart needs this. So they all pitch in and they uh, get on the cruise. And this, uh, have any of you been on a cruise? Just wondering. I have yes. not. I have okay, not. Josh has been on a cruise. Where'd you go? Uh, it was almost a decade ago. It was like somewhere in Mexico, somewhere in Jamaica, somewhere in... Uh, the Caribbean. I forget the exact area. I think it might have been Haiti. Oh, nice. But uh, I, everyone's experience is different. But for me, it was more like I didn't like the idea of being stranded in the middle of the ocean with nowhere else to go if you didn't want to be there. Uh, so you went on a tropical cruise. I went on an Alaskan. So cruise. I'm not exactly going to help prove your point here. Uh, I went on an Alaskan cruise. I can tell you, I had more fun just being on the cruise ship than the actual locations because it was very cold out there. Well, I mean, it's Alaska. You could have had your own epiphany if you wanted. To. <laughs> yeah, I should have had my own epiphany. <laughs> my epiphany was: it's embarrassing when you have a pajama party at the kids' zone. You accidentally rip your pants trying to do a split, and you have to walk your sorry ass all the way back to the, your uh, room Aww. to get a new pair of pajamas. Damn. <laughs> 
while hyperactive on sugar. So that was that. But anyway, so like this episode kind of comes to a head where Bart has pretty much the time of his life and everyone in the, for once, the whole family has the time of their lives. They get upgraded all the way to like the best room in the entire like ship. And uh, yeah, but then it's kind of dawns on everyone that, oh yeah, we're going to leave. We're like halfway through the trip. We're going to go back home and life will be the same again. Mm. Bart doesn't want that. So he fakes a pandemic by taking some movie that hasn't been released yet and just posting it in front of the entire PDA system. There's been a pandemic. On we land. Were, uh, an inland pandemic. And we, are all, we all must be in quarantine. We cannot return to land until it has been... Uh, it has been blown over or something Another like that. Another topical episode. Very topical, too. That's a, that one hits a little guys, close the, to home. Um, well, COVID-19, when it started spreading, the first places where outbreaks happened were actually cruise ships, not hospitals, oddly That's enough. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. right? Because there, like, there were Asian cruise lines where Americans were going, and someone from Asia had the got the virus from China, and then it spread to a couple of Americans, and then it's like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, traveling traveling abroad definitely does help the spread for sure. But what I love about this, I can understand Bart's mindset for um, for doing that because when you're a kid, the idea of going on a vacation somewhere you really enjoy, you never want that to end because you know it's a break from the ordinary, and you know that you're likely never going to be able to experience that in the same way again. Yeah, it's kind of like a snow day or a three day weekend. Like it's just those very few moments where you actually have a little bit more extra freedom. And, uh, you know, what? one thing I really love about it is, at first, you think Bart's being selfish. You think he's just, oh, he just wants to have as much fun as possible at the expense of others. Because the ship does go to shit after a while, because they run out of supplies and stuff. Mm. But what's great is that, by the end of the episode, when they get, um, exiled to Antarctica or something, because, like, they were going there anyways, mm. and everyone's on the ship's mad at him, um, you think Bart's gonna be, like, he's gonna be sorry, he's like, oh, I'm sorry he's being so selfish, but the reason why I did is because everyone in the whole family was happy like homer and marge he was like oh you guys have been more in love than i've ever seen you in my entire life wow and lisa you got to experience all these worldly things like he actually thinks the trip was a benefit for everyone in the family and he wanted that to last forever because you know the dysfunctionality is going to return when they go back home Mm. he wanted to have that peace all to himself and i i think what the best message of the episode is ultimately life is not like a downward slope it's peaks and valleys there's many moments in your life you're going to think, oh, it's going to get worse from here. But there, there, there's lots of moments that you'll experience all the way throughout that you'll treasure and, and, and you know, hold dear to your heart. Because ultimately all you'll keep by the end of it all is, is your memories. And that's why it's important to experience as much as you can. And I thought that was an incredibly touching message. And uh, I'm very glad, like, even critics, like, when the episode came out, I was like, this is one of the very few episodes where I actually felt an emotional moment from Bart because normally he's just like a prankster or something mm-hmm. but this one this one tapped into something that i don't see too often not since like bart sells his soul which is a good mm-hmm, comparison yeah. to that mm-hmm. episode so yeah and uh it has some very great music from some other bands like hot ship and animal collective oh nice uh, I, animal collective okay yeah so yeah it's an excellent episode that i think needs more credit and uh if you haven't seen it definitely give it a watch thank you for providing me with a little bit of hope in my simpsons binge <laughs> yes. I, know, I know there's gonna be a few episodes that i've heard are great like that one uh, christmas episode 
Um, I mean the Halloween episode. I'm no, there's there's that. a Christmas episode I've heard really good things about. Oh, uh, Christmas is a future past. Yes, that that's one. That's a yeah. great episode too. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard great things. <laughs> um, but on that note of feeling emotional about Bart, I want to talk about my Bart episode that is the beginning of that idea that Bart is a brat but with heart. Yes. And that is Bart gets an F. Oh boy! So you substituted your you substituted your pick for uh, season twenty nine twenty three character or sorry you substituted your season two uh, pick season for season twenty three. Well, we're back in season two. With yes, the one that yes, the two. one that I theorize is this is this the finale well, this of season when, one? Uh, Bart was more popular than Homer. Yeah, yeah of course. True. There's a lot of good Bart episodes this season. So yeah, tell us about it. Uh, this episode focuses entirely on Bart, and that's yes. why I love it. Like. The Simpsons family is like very sideline in this, and the it's very simple. It's just it's a the first half of it is a of a it's just all procrastination. Just Bart trying to find some excuse to not write his tests and try to like just hang out at the arcade or watch Itchy and Scratchy and all that. It's very slice of life, mm-hmm. and finally when he writes the test and he flunks it completely. Carabo puts her foot down and says, that is it. Your grades are just plummeting and we need to do something about it. So with the help of J. Lauren Pryor coming back from uh, Bart gets a, uh, Bart the Genius. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel so bad the, the way he looks down on Bart. Because if you watch his attitude in Bart the Genius and then Bart gets an F, he's looking so highly on Bart in the first, in that episode. And then he goes to just being so disappointed that it's almost like Bart is proud yeah. of his underachieving. And the whole stakes of this episode is that Bart has to do really good on this test or else he has to repeat the fourth grade. Yeah. Which I guess he does for the next 30 years anyways, yeah. but that's beside the point. That's I'm beside glad the you point. addressed that. I was just <laughs> um, yeah, the first half being sort of, sort of just like a, a hangout, uh, sort of a hangout kind of vibe where it's just sort of loose and like not really plot driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Spends a lot of time with Martin too. And Martin is the funniest part of this char- of this episode. Because said- he, try- he, try- he bargains with Martin to be like, if you help me get good on grades, I'll make you be cool. And Martin really loves the transition of becoming cool. Now, you- remember <laughs> yeah. how I said that when a, a, a dweeby character tries to act cool, it's yeah. either funny or annoying? Yeah. In Martin's case, it's, it's, it's hilariously annoying. And uh, it's my big first laugh from Otto. Where oh, he's yeah. like, it's okay, Bart, relax. I got held back in the fourth grade myself, twice. But look at me now. I drive the school bus. <laughs> and there's like a long pause. Bart just gives him the deadest stare. <laughs> like, Dude, you're pathetic. <laughs> um, a fun fact, it's the first appearance of uh, Mayor Quimby. Oh, yeah. After the snowfall, and when he's like, I hereby declare this day to be snow day. Mm-hmm. The greatest day <laughs> in Springfield's history. It's the very first time we've seen him. Oh, wow. He didn't come in until season two. And a mind-blowing thing. When they all lock hands and they're all singing Walking in a Winter Wonderland, guess who's in that crowd? <laughs> Sideshow Bob. Oh, oh really? What the yeah. fuck are you doing there? This is before he marries Selma or when he runs the election. Well, after what? he almost got a crusty busted. Wasn't he, wasn't he on the after? Is he supposed to be in jail? Yeah, yeah he's, that's what we're talking. That's my about. whole point. This is before he like marries Selma, runs the election, stepping on rakes. <laughs> he should be in jail right now. <laughs> um, my favorite line in the episode is, well, before I get to my favorite line, it's just the second half of it. You really start to see Bart really generally trying to study. Yeah, and we've all been there gear. before. It's like the, har- <laughs> the hardest we try, and like if we we come out even failing, it's like it's heartbreaking, right? 
And even when he's trying to like study, him trying to like put his mind into the into the the, the you know yeah he's horribly distracted. He's horribly distracted yeah. the fact that there's a snow day that his fantasy is distracted by the fact that there's a, there's a snow day. John look, Hancock. look, John ha- John Hancock's writing his name in the snow. <laughs> That's my favorite line in the whole episode. That is too clever. <laughs> and then after all that, he fails. And in a scene that not the first time I saw it, but one of the few times that I watched it afterwards. The only time that The Simpsons actually made me tear up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a, actually a pretty heartbreaking scene. And you can see the, the animation, kudos to them. Like, this is still early stages in the show. You see the clenching in his face, and he's just breaking down, crying. Yeah. Like, I tried, and we've all been there before. Like, the lesson of it is just, like, even no matter how hard we try, we can still fail. But at the same time, your smarts can also pay off in some ways, because he actually was a little bit smarter in areas he, he, that even Kerbaba was like, oh, yeah, shit. He's good at uh, oral communication. Vis- visual learning, like audible. He's yeah. Good, yeah. So it's <laughs> like, visual. you get an extra point. And you know what? In a scene straight out of Tommy Boy, I relate to that. Because when I took a, a course in college for uh, of um, construction, I suck at math. And when I got out with a D minus just passing, <laughs> oh, man, I was both Tommy from Tommy Boy and oh and Bart, I, I passed dash. with a D minus. I'm going to graduate. <laughs> I wish I knew you because this is a little awkward. Yeah. I'm gonna graduate. <laughs> yeah. What happens to Bart is, I think, very realistic. Maybe mm-hmm. even more realistic because we deal. We see what happens when the kid studies again, and this is coming from someone who has a brother who actually was. Uh, he he was an underachieving student, but he at his elementary school graduation. My brother got the most improved student award in nice. front of the whole class, so that oh, was nice. That's see. encouraging. That's awesome. Yeah. It is. So the point is, like, yes, while studying can pay off, and uh, it doesn't always pay off. And that's Bart that's that's why the episode is so great at, at yeah. tackling both of those like lessons at the end. Yeah. One of the very few times uh, Mrs. Krabappel actually has like empathy Some for Bart. sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, at first she's like, uh, another year with you, it's gonna be hell. But then after she kind of feels a little bit bad, like, like why? Why are you sad? You should like she gained some respect now. for him. Yeah. yeah. Like a fifty-nine is at least a high F. Like she's trying to look at some bright side with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Well, no, he goes from an F to a D. And mm. she upgrades from an F to a D minus, which gets him, which passes him. That's nice. And then he kissed the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts it on the fridge as a nice little Very cherry nice on top. Well, that was, it was a setup uh, where <laughs> they put Lisa's homework on the fridge because she got an A earlier yeah. in the episode, yeah. But to, my quote to end off on it is that, you know, back then people were criticizing Bart Simpson as being a bad influence of, on kids, of being that troublemaker. And Bart gets an F is the episode that shut everyone up about that and said this kid is a brat but with heart yeah Mm -hmm. it's a character defining moment for him absolutely and a good note to end on when it comes to bart too yeah Yeah, thank you bart for joining us today no problem dudes now get out of here (laughs) i don't know that didn't and we take the at least you tried cake and we start (laughs) cutting it and serving it (laughs) now speaking of intelligence it's on to the dessert (laughs) and <laughs> desserts. <laughs> it's now on to the fucking no introduction, Mr. Homer J. Simpson. Yeah. The J stands for J. J A Y. Alright, Evan, please take it away. Oh, okay. What I'm gonna talk about okay, so I've seen a lot of people and organizations on YouTube channels that have said this is this episode is the greatest uh episode in the Simpsons history. 
Uh, I don't claim to have a greatest episode uh, in Simpsons history pick, but I do think there is an episode that stands out as if I were ever in a situation where I would have to pick a, a, my favorite Simpsons episode of all time, this is the episode I would pick. Uh, the Homer-centered episode, Secrets of a, of a Successful Marriage. Oh. The plot of this episode is... Homer starts to fight feelings of inadequacy. Homer decides to go to take either take an adult education course at the community center or teach an adult. Um, but, but Marge, every time I learn something new, it pushes old information out. Like remember the time I forgot how to learn to no, drive? It's like it's like remember how I took that home winemaking course? And I forgot how to drive. You were drunk. And how? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so here's the thing. So, the Homer decide, the only way Homer can teach this class about building a successful marriage is if he actually provides really intimate details about like what he and Marge do in the bedroom. This gets and like not to downplay that teaching tactic, but he's not wrong. Like the idea is using real world anecdotes is one way to to is one way to to teach. Yeah. yeah. No, except. Then they t ho being Homer Simpson, he takes it to inappropriate levels, and when it, a line gets crossed, Marge kicks him out. Now, we had seen Homer and Marge's marriage tested before with numerous times. Numerous times in the show, mm -hmm. they show the marriage get tested, but every time one of them gets to choose, oh, the their their husband or part or wife, perfect or imperfect as they are, they stick with them. Not this time. For a good third of the episode, you actually get the sense that Marge and Homer's marriage might actually be over after this episode. And this was the finale of season five. Imagine going into a season six with Homer and Marge separated. That's a good point. That kind of creates stakes. It I, would don't know, it, I don't know what the marketing was for that episode back then, but if they had like a TV uh, spot, like, will Homer and Marge break up? That's a great way to... Season finale. In 1994, they didn't believe in the concept of what is now known as a ratings trap. Yeah. yeah. They were later, so, but they still had their, so, uh, their but, ideals. Uh, but I can, but that, was the, that was the finale of season five, and... Homer and Marge's marriage is really is tested more so than it had ever been on the show at that point because in later episodes there will be the, the show would later go on to explain how you know Homer and Marge's initial marriage uh, from the from the lore of the show was actually null and void because of a technicality they show that but also um, they would have Marge they would have season 14 to have a whole whack of episodes where Marge and Homer's marriage is tested I mean every other episode uh, of that season their marriage is tested yeah, to, the point, that, to yeah. the point where it becomes a cliche but then later on you'll actually see you know in in the future uh, future drama Homer and Marge actually do separate in a futuristic timeline so it goes to show like you know that their marriage is on thin ice at times and it could fall through at any point. It's still managed to last 30 years, but um, just to, to steal from the Deep Fat Fried podcast, which when they talked about The Simpsons, they said this. What if the series ended with Homer and Marge getting a divorce? That would be a horrible decision. It would be. I think, no, I don't think they say end the show. They want to have a she, season where... To have a season where, for the whole season, Homer and Marge are split up. They... they okay, what? Yeah. A cartoon actually evolving its storyline? That, well, that's my point. Well, that's impossible. It, it, would be, it would be like the death of Brian Griffin, but done better. Because yeah, not just a couple of The episodes. Simpsons had so many opportunities to do that. Like, actually age them. Yeah, so, the so, so I mean, like, 
obviously mm-hmm. like uh, don't you love it when like uh, a plot from an early episode makes you like question how the show could have evolved yeah that's what okay not only are not only is this a powerful story episode but um when i was looking at people's reasoning for picking uh different the greatest Simpsons episode of all time. I never knew Cody that Lemon of Troy was a candidate. Uh, I never, I've never seen any essays, but now I want to about why Lemon of Troy is the perfect Simpsons episode. But I did see WatchMojo.com say that Last Exit to Springfield was, in their opinion, the greatest episode of all time, and I didn't understand why. But then when I under, when I listened to their rationale, I'm like, okay, yeah, now I understand because the jokes in Last Exit to, to Springfield pop so much their jokes are very frequent they're very funny they're very memorable and the story is also very powerful and and, and what cartoon show do you, have you ever seen at that time that actually tackles like the union disputes and all that no, like my it's very point, matured it, it was very know, matured like, yeah and not only is does it cover a deep topic it's very funny secret the reason i brought up uh last night to springfield is because secrets of a successful marriage is that kind of episode for yeah. me. it deals with a very serious topic but the jokes in this episode are fucking funny. Like, is this the, is every it, teaching course at the annex? Yeah, no. It's like, say I, some gangster. I was just dissing your fly girl. You, you give, give him one of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to ask, is that the is episode? Yes, it was. And then, the, oh, and, and, oh, and who could forget? Um, if I want to see a man in the orange, I'd have taken the orange eating class. The eating the eating of an orange is just like a good marriage. Just eat the damn oranges! Uh, my favorite part is when Homer's living in the fucking treehouse. Oh, yeah. And Lisa says, bring him pudding. Oh, it's like, here you go. Hey, look, Lisa, I don't need your mother anymore. I created a perfect replica that's almost like her in every way. It's like, it's like Dad, ha- that's a plant. <gasps> Lisa, you will respect your new mother. It's like, no, kiss her. Kiss her. No! <laughs> It's like, Tom, it's like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Oh, oh, oh yeah. my god, oh my god. Uh, now let's get our story straight. She fell, right? It's like Tom Hanks in Castaway when he's like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I will talk about Homer replacing Marge. Yeah. Later. I also, but I also I, love in the beginning, it's like, what are your, do you have any qualifying abilities, Mr. Simpson? This is roughly. Well, I can tell the difference between butter and I can't believe it's not butter. No, you can't, Mr. Simpson. No one can. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and who could forget? Hey, just don't yell at Homer just because he's a little slow. <gasps> Something said, not good. Don't yell at Homer. Get the hell out of here! Don't 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 yell at Homer. No, that's okay. Slow. He called you slow. He called you slow. How dare you call me that? What? Hey, Homer, you're still here? Wow, you are slow. Something said, not good. Get the hell out of it! Like he's he, the idea is he stays. <laughs> He, it takes him until they come back to that poker game narrative at the end of the episode too. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, like, the, home, the home around is still there. Yeah. The home around is really initiating a lot of quoting. A <laughs> lot of shouting too. <laughs> yeah. That is a good choice. That is that's a good a, choice. We're getting choice. into character. Yeah. An underrated choice for sure. Oh, right, Mr. Josh. Mm-hmm. Mr. Take Josh. Take it away. Okay. Well, I would have that was secret- gone with either an episode that has aged super well because of how well as i say it's super well but unfortunately has become incre- increasingly more relevant today or one that is incredibly quotable and enjoyable and puts homer in a really interesting position in terms of 
you know, how he's viewed by not only his family, but the town. But instead, I decided to go with one that gives him a greater sense of depth as a character and his sort of emotional backstory, and that is Mother Simpson. Oh, yay. yay. The, the first introduction of Mona Simpson, but you really get a sense that Homer, since he was a child, has always sort of lacked that other half of so that sort of like child, that like sort of love and affection because his mother disappeared so many years ago. And now that he finally has it back, he's really trying to make up for lost time. But as the episode goes on, you can already kind of tell that he's not going to get the happy ending that he really deserves. And that final scene is the perfect show don't tell sense of writing and it is is it sad but yet sweet at the same time hey josh define the word rhetorical <laughs> yes I don't know if you remember that part. Yeah. Uh, like, no, I kind of do, but... The song is oh, and, and the fact that Glenn Close does so much to make Mona a really enjoyable character. Yeah. For sure. You awful man! Get out of my son's grave! Hate to ruin your parade, lady, but this is my grave! Wait, Mom? Homer? I thought you were dead! I thought you were dead! Well, ain't anybody in this dang blasted cemetery dead? Well, I didn't mean to cause a fuss, but now that you mention it... <laughs> no, the part I was referencing was... Is that, that great how, how, Billy? How many times must a man walk through... Seven. No, Dad, it's a rhetorical question. It has no meaning. Rhetorical, eh? Eight. <laughs> or something like that. Dad, do you even know what rhetorical means? Yeah, yeah. Do I know what rhetorical means? <laughs> What, did, what an elaborate way to get out of work, too, what he did at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, no! He fell off the waterfall. Oh, it's okay. He, he latched onto the branch. Oh, no! The, the, the branch broke. But it's okay. Oh, good. <laughs> it's, it's going to lead them to Homer finding Mona and that she's still alive because he thinks her grave is actually Walt Whitman. It's like, damn you, Walt Whitman. Leaves a grass my ass. You know what? Uh, Homer kicking the grave. That actually reminds me of how I felt about uh, season six Breaking Bad. Damn you, Walt Whitman! I hate you, Walt freaking Whitman! Leaves of grass my ass! <laughs> uh, Walter, Walter White, though. Yeah, Walter White. <laughs> it's because it's the, it's, Mother Simpson is about Homer really trying to come to terms with stuff when he was really young, and, like, even talking with Abe about it, it doesn't really help that much because, like, Abe's part of the problem as to how it got to that point. Yeah. Your mom died at the movies. And we also know how horrible Mr. Burns' memory can be, but how the hell does he remember as far back as recognizing Mona from what she was Because <laughs> I think he remembers that over other trivial details in his life is that... Because she destroyed his she destroyed lab. His, she destroyed Maybe. his germ warfare lab, which would have... Uh, Definitely been a milestone, and oh, uh, remember- don't do it again. He remembers Homer's mother, but not Homer. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and also, it was, yeah, a, well. it was a great payoff too with Chief Wiggum when he comes back after she helped him with his asthma. Now, look, I can talk normal now. Like you wouldn't think that Mona had a lot of impact on someone other than Homer, but it does show that like. She actually played a small part in shaping a bunch of other characters' yeah. lives as well. Yeah. She uh, she's like Lisa's role model after that point. Yeah. And also, um, I like how. Too. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like how. Uh, oh, and then I like how. Um, never notice how like 
Mr. Burns is the reason Homer's mom is has to stay in permanent hiding. So you given that you think Homer would n stick it to the man and never work for Mr. Burns again, but no. For the rest of the show, Homer will not only work with Mr. Burns, he'll go to a fucking log cabin in the woods with him. Unfortunately, just because people have good morals doesn't always mean they can stick to them a hundred percent of the time. You know, because if you take something to the nth degree, it's like you can't really support much of anything. The only time Burns showed any sort of humanity, and I want to, I want to, not even humanity. It was like almost like a big boop in his heart, and whatever heart shriveled heart that he has was a uh, rosebud. In yeah. Rosebud and in King Size Homer, that's the one episode where he isn't a complete dick. It's what? ironic that King Size Homer is the one right before this. So you go from Homer not wanting to work, wanting to gain so much weight so he could work from home, to like. Homer trying to like, uh, Homer trying to help his mom get justice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a good one. Heartbreaking. Against his employer. It's heartbreaking, but it's the beginning of a sort of trilogy, as I call it, of Homer really getting to understand his mother even more. And while there are episodes like Dawn in the Wind and, uh, is it How I Wet Your Mother? I think that one. Yeah, where like you one. get a bit more to the. Uh, Homer and Mona and Abe's family dynamic. Was Mother theory. Simpson is real. This is really where it, it's all encapsulated really well. Because the show is so comedy driven that occasionally when they'll have a moment like you know you are Lisa Simpson's or or you are Lisa Simpson or do it for her or yeah. that last shot of Mother Simpson. It's like the show will have that rare heart to it. And it's strong and it's not sugar coated. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm so. I feel kind of bad because my the pick I picked was the one I considered like just one of my favorite funny episodes. No, it's fine. No, mine. All you guys, <laughs> most of you guys pick very emotionally centered ones. Oh, I'm I, about to like to. I'll, I'll get to yours. It's <laughs> so hard to pick a Homer episode. Yeah. there's so many classics. There's a lot. And this one, the one I picked, is kind of an overlooked classic in my mind. I think it, it it's because it comes right after Deep Space Homer. Uh, the one I picked is uh, Homer Loves Flanders. Mm -hmm. uh, Everybody yeah. together now. Nacho, Nacho, nacho Man. man. <laughs> I want to be a Nacho a Man. A Nacho Man. Yeah, so this is an episode in which, uh, for once in his life, well, like they do it later on the show, but this is one of the few times Homer actually starts to like Flanders, and that's because... He wants to get two tickets to a football, to a Super Bowl I game. I got two tickets to paradise. paradise. I want to break down all these moments, but yeah, <laughs> I'll talk about them later. But like, he wants to get tickets to a game. He doesn't get them. He tries and fails, but uh, Flanders just so happens to get them. And uh, despite really <laughs> not wanting to get from Flanders, he spends a day with him. He actually starts to realize that Flanders is a really great guy. He had an incredibly good day with Flanders. So the rest of the episode. Uh, Homer gets a little bit, uh, too close to Flanders. He gets a little invasive. Kind of causes a lot of heartache with the family. And a lot of headaches. <laughs> Will you breathe with your damn mouth? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to, I didn't know the exact line, but, um, yeah. So, that's, a. Uh, that's just the that's just the the plot. But what I love about the episode is there's so many moments that are just quintessential Homer. It's like he he has a dream about he has like a daydream where he thinks about having a wig. <laughs> yeah. To, and he pretends to be Marge with the wig. He's like, I love you, homie. <laughs> now I don't need her at all anymore. <laughs> or um. 
He loses his, uh, Flanders takes the, uh, the tickets. He's just mad. He hits, damn it, hits the thing. The radio's like, I got two tickets to paradise. And he's just being along. He's listening. He's loving the music. It's like, oh, that was an excellent solo. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> when Flanders actually comes over to, like, give him the tickets, it's like, dear God, I know I don't say this enough, but please give me those tickets. Hiya, Homer. Why do you offend me, Lord? Homer, that's not a, that's not God. That's a waffle that gets stuck on the ceiling. There you go. I know I shouldn't eat thee. Sacrilegious. Oh, and I can't, I cannot mention that bit where he just seeps through the bushes to talk to Ned. Oh, it's become a gift. One of those classic gifts in our day and age. Probably one of the greatest classic memes that the show has then lampshaded twice since. Yeah, yeah. Even directly, they have like an app, and it just shows that that scene as a gift. And then there's the epic Terminator Two reference. Ah, yes, the Eddie Faster. I can't. It's a Geo. It's a golf club. You must not. You must not have heard me. You must not. You must not heard me. And then, yeah. So many great moments there. That's what I love about the episode. It just has so much quintessential Homer humor. Mm. Everything I love about the guy is just... And then Nacho Man is probably the moment. I, I actually recorded that, and I just always have it on my phone because it makes me... It warms... It, it, it giggles. Cheers, it cheers you up. It gives me the giggles, I guess. It gives me the giddies. So, yeah. Um, it's fascinating to see that, like, with Homer, he goes much too overboard towards Ned, much the same way that... Homer always sees Ned going overboard towards him. And in a way, they do balance each other out on the odd occasion they work together. Like, there's this. Um, I forget which episode it is in the teen era where Homer and Ned are... Uh, they team up to be bounty hunters. Uh, I, think it was I don't know if that's Sex, Pies, and Idiot Scrapes or if that's a different one. Yeah. I think that was in the 20s, actually. Uh, no, Sex, Pies, and Idiot... Yeah, technically, you're right. Season The premiere of season 20, Sex, Pies, and Idiot Scrapes. There you go. Mm. Yeah, that's always that's always seen as a great Homer and Ned episode, and then there's like there's others like the one where they get married well, to the ladies in Troy, Vegas. They also because they're using Flanners' RV. To, <laughs> uh, yeah. RV. To yeah, they, we can all relate to one of those friends that just does not go away. Yeah, oh. when you when you have a new friend, you get so attached, and you feel like, am I being a bit much? Am I being a Homer Simpson right now? Yeah, I was I always get that feeling sometimes, but yeah. Homerless Flanders is really a much more comedic extreme version of when Flanders failed in season three, because in that one, the end is like Homer realizes the error of his ways and helps everyone band together to save the leftorium. This is just Homer and Ned become friends, but then Homer being Homer takes it too far and the status quo is restored. Yeah, that's another thing about this episode. It's surprisingly meta. Like Bart and Lisa are just like always questioning like, hey, what? Oh, great. Now Homer's friends with Flanders. Lisa's like, don't worry, Bart. All you have to do is have a snappy comeback, and then everything will be back by next week. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> Get lost, Flanders. Oakley Duckley. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a sign of uh, the Simpsons writers getting a little bored, or just like a sign that they know what's up, but uh, that part was great. But I digress. I think it's time to move on. All right. <clears throat> So yeah, when I mentioned in the Golden Age episode that I was it was a toss up between Homer the Great and another certain episode of being a Homer or my favorite choice of that season, 
It's funny, I was gonna go with Homer the Heretic, because I love that episode to death, and I always throw it on, and even though it has one of my favorite moments of him curled up in the bed, like, ah, I'm just a big, toasty cinnamon bun. <laughs> Everyone to leave this bed. Probably one of my, the most relatable, the most relatable <laughs> moment in the Simpsons history. <laughs> I always feel like that every January. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one episode that I feel like is the definition of topical yeah. <laughs> that I needed to go for. And that is Homer Badman. Oh, boy. Yep. Yes. So, uh, after going to a candy convention and salivating over this rare gummy Venus de Milo that Homer steals from the place, it gets stuck on the babysitter's pants as he was driving her home. Or the back bottom of her pants. Yeah, and instead of being a gentleman, like, excuse me, you have something of mine on on your pants, Homer inexplicably grabs the candy which the babysitter mistakens him of sexually harassing him. And the next day later, Homer gets canceled and me too At the <laughs> same we, time. At the same damn time. Well, <laughs> is he really canceled if the media can't stop talking about him, like, for 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week? Yes. It's not so much... Okay, this is what I was like. Um, it's not about, like, getting canceled, but what the thing is, like, it's just... The, it's, a t- it's the Simpsons' poignant take on... The media frenzy whenever a celebrity does yes. something, not even does something, if a celebrity is accused of doing something yes. bad. Yeah, and I know, and as I said, it's topical, and obviously today, like, I encourage... Thanks to I, Twitter, all you have to do is write something. Well, I'll, 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 I just encourage, you know, people that have had, like, something horrible happen to them in the past to come forward, obviously, but, like, I look at this episode as, like, a, a, yeah, as you said, mention, as you mentioned, Evan, a... Great example on how media can really twist everybody's perception, even if you haven't heard two the both sides of the story. Also, because literally Homer right away tries to clear his name by saying, "I was just grabbing a piece of candy that was stuck to her pants," and I like how they're like, "Yeah, right. That's the oldest excuse in the book." That's a pretty creative <laughs> excuse, if I'm. And it honest. just keeps going and going. Oh, and they it gets ridi- better. They ridicule him right to the ground. Yeah, and, and it gets better. It's like oh, I don't know Homer Simpson. I've never had any contact with him, but. Tonight, tonight That's on, okay. That's th- okay. Your tears say more than real evidence ever could. Tonight now, on, the, tonight the, on the whole point of it being a satire of mob mentality and the fact that if all people yeah. focus on is the one perspective, then you know confirmation bias is still very much a thing, and it's easy to for that to get lost in the shuffle. That a lot of false accusations come up just as much on that as well. Plus the fact that it's like Homer that gets accused of this and not like if it, if it's, it's interesting because you know a lot of people forget that these things happen from the male perspective as well in terms of like well when it comes to things like sexual assault and stuff like that it happens to the uh, opposite like to the, to the male gender as well it just it, the uh, the stigma is that you know men don't necessarily talk about any sort of emotional trauma they experience well, look at what happens you know look what happens try to Look what happened with Brendan Fraser and Terry Crews. Like, those are guys that, you know, they, for yeah, years... Corey they, Feldman. And uh, Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp, yeah. No, yeah. those guys could not come forward because, like, you know, they if the stigma around women is just as bad with not being believed with sexual assault, how do you think men feel when they actually are sexually assaulted? Yeah. And, and even when, um, when Homer is asked to go on that show Rock Bottom, which is a parody of this... <laughs> TMZ um, 90s show hard copy which would be which was the 90s version of TMZ yeah. Homer sells his side and of course they do the manipulative editing 
and they have the whole like the ideal victim and the ideal perpetrator. The manipulative editing scene is the funniest part of the episode. <laughs> yeah, like, and I like how in such a short period of time you can even see the clock in the background change. Yeah, from him yeah. saying like all I was and doing was grabbing that sweet candy. When the when like the shot is clearly paused and it's all distorted. <laughs> No, Mr. Simpson, don't take your anger out on me. No, Mr. No! Conversation may not have happened. (laughs) Yeah, help me, God! And then he gets a phone call from God, Free Jones, from Rock Bottom. (laughs) Um, No, there's a lot of... Even in the midst of, like, you know, you want Homer to clear his name. That's the whole whole motivation of the episode. But, like, there's so many funny parts even before that. Like, the Pop Rocks and... Coke bomb oh, yeah. that, he, oh, that, that he throws into the crowd well, at the candy convention. Basically, just commits grand theft and that, and gets away with that. Uh, of course, it was he like committed arson. Moment. He committed arson at a candy convention, <laughs> and we never see most of those people again. Yeah, and then I guess Disney's happy that they have this episode under their belt with the Under the Sea. Oh, Parody. yeah, I, as previously seen on... That's actually uh, one of my favorite quotes. Homer, that's a solution to everything. To move under the sea. It's not gonna happen. Well, not with that not attitude. Not that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> or just the, the media saying, like, who would believe this? Homer sleeps nude in an oxygen tank, which he believes gives him sexual power. Hey, that's a half-truth. <laughs> <laughs> like, who the fuck would believe such a ridiculous thing? It's like, w- w- wait, half-truth? Great which half? I believe... Friends, we use it in the pejorative sense. I believe that I believe that is Homer Simpson, not clearly a turkey roasting in the oven, but he's rotating slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love. Oh, also, oh, remember the whole thing about uh, with the TV poll. The ninety-five percent of people believe Homer's guilty, and five percent don't. But keep in note, there is a five percent margin of error, and of course, this is just a TV poll. Unless Proposition Five Hundred Four passes, and we're all and we're all praying it will. Uh, it kind of also who could forget that. This cough, this incident, this scandal's been going on for like a, what a week or something. Yeah. How long is the media's attention span? <laughs> like this was probably the worst two weeks of Homer's life. Oh, yeah. So in that two weeks, Hollywood was able to write, direct, and produce a move, a biopic about Homer Simpson <laughs> with Dennis Franz, and they completely fabricated it. Too. Yeah, I know they yeah. have him. They have him do a bunch of shit he didn't do, like run, deliberately run over a cat. Now it's time to grab some sweet. <laughs> make the babysitter even more innocent than she actually was <laughs> and they make her younger too and then they even do a bill clinton jab where it's like with the man in the white house not likely <laughs> yeah the, the, the way the episode yeah. wraps up itself it's interesting because it trades one stigma for another and it sort of it basically again it just shows that like they just moved on to the next victim yeah yeah. And then groundskeeper Willie is the new villain. Well, even though that he saved uh, Homer. And it, to, yeah. to make a Nickelback reference, they move to their next contestant. Ah, uh, here comes the next contestant. Wonder, 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 I hate that wonder, fucking wonder, song. Um, yeah. I had to go for the it's ironic. Though. It's ironic that Willie is now the next target, even though that he saved yeah. Homer because he recorded, he videotaped the <laughs> altercation happening. I don't even say altercation. He, he recorded yeah. the incident happening. And then Marge says, now, an even more topical and timeless line, as long as everyone is videotaping everyone... That's my favorite just, quote, my entire favorite Marge quote. Justice will be done. It, it allows people to really break, like, to become journalists themselves in a way, because they yeah. can provide a perspective that isn't necessarily filtered through yeah. any sort of any sort of ideas and, that way, major news networks want to thanks, thanks. The reason why she got a Pulitzer is because, thanks to that video, the cop who 
knelt on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, he's going to jail for over 20 years. Like, he got a life sentence for that. Yeah, huh. That wouldn't have happened in a, in a, in a reality where the, the it wasn't uh, filmed. So, and, and the greater so, message Homer Badman tries to convey is that there are so many other situations for both genders where... You know they don't have they don't have anyone else really on their side, and they have to fight it themselves. Hey, that's a good point because the babysitter that goes starts the whole scandal is an active feminist at a college, and she she's actually kind of sexist when she walks in to babysit the Simpson kids because she's like, "See, Lisa, males aren't hard to tame; they just follow their video game cartridges." I think she yeah. said boys. What's, Boy, what's interesting boys, about yeah. that is no, that she said males. Really, when it oh. comes to stereotyping males. It never, no one really bats an eye for that, but it's when it's the opposite. It's, it's more like either stereo, making, poking fun at both gender roles is okay, or none of it should be okay, which I know is a very black and white way of looking at it, but it's like, it can't be one is okay and one isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the lesson at the end is don't believe everything that you hear or read. Yeah. There Question you know. everything. Yes. Brought to you by Disney. Brought to you by Disney. (laughs) (laughs) And if anyone's out there that is going to watch, like, Homer Badman and then Marge in Chains, just try not to be so sad and realize that, you know, that's today's day and age that we live in. There's some other episodes that are pure escapism. But I I brought this up because it is pretty topical. And Homer... On a lighter note... Yeah, I was about to say, like, Homer kind of gets his... After the whole show, like, of Homer being such an idiot and such a jackass throughout the whole show... He does, and yet he doesn't deserve his comeuppance in this episode. Yeah. The way he reacts, it's like, oh, that man is sick. Grouse Kimmy Willie Willie saved you, Homer. Like, but listen to the music. He's evil. (laughs) Dad, Dad, hasn't this experience taught you anything? Lisa, as far as Daddy's concerned, I haven't learned a thing. Like, Lisa, my dear, I haven't learned a thing. As he's kissing the TV. Yeah. Let's yeah. never fight again. Never fight again. Uh, oh, and that also was a send a uh, call back to another one where like Lisa and Bart are hugging the TV, and Bart's like, "Are you hugging the TV?" No. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So where do we go from here? Well, thank you, Homer, for hanging around here. Uh, am I supposed to do something now? <laughs> that took like two hours. Okay. <laughs> did I, did I have to do anything? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, that is the Simpsons family, but why don't we just do one quick round and do our favorite side character episode. I'll take it away, just to spin things up. I went with A Fish Called Selma, because not only does this follow one character, it involves two, Troy McClure and Selma. And we learn a lot about Troy McClure in this episode in ways that we are kind of unfortunate. Yeah. How much of a jackass and a diva that he is. I think we always knew that, but now it's like under the sheets. Yeah, now we see behind the curtains who he really is. The whole episode starts with a scandal of him having uh, problems at the aquarium. Which is a play on Richard Gere and the gerbil thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was was definitely a nod to that. Um, Yeah, Troy McClure wants to help out his image by getting married, so he picks... The ugliest woman that he can possibly find, Selma. I feel so bad. You think for she's her. uglier than Patty? I mean, it's hard to judge. I mean, I just feel bad for her in general that she's victimized on this, being mm-hmm. used. Um, well, at the same time, she it was it wasn't the first time she married someone for the short term, nor was it the last time. No. Oh yeah, Sasha Bob. It's insane how yeah. many people she's married throughout the show's history. Yeah. Uh, not really much I want to say. I just like how the Simpsons family is like in this for like what five episodes? Five, sorry, five minutes or even less yeah, minutes. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it gets really... Did you already mention the Dr. Zayas thing? <gasps> he can talk. Um, he can talk. He can Dr. talk. He can talk. Zayas. He can talk. Dr. I can Zayas. sing! <laughs> oh, help me, Dr. Zayas! <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, this is that is excellent Broadway. I yeah. fucking love that. Chimpan A to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God, I was wrong. <laughs> it was Earth all along. Oh that's my all-time favorite Simpsons song. I love it. Boy, I fucking do. monkeys doing the break dancing and yeah. doing the Saturday Night Fever pose. Yeah. I fucking love it. It's so beautiful, man. Yeah. The whole episode's beautiful because it's such a nice showcase of Phil Hartman. Yeah. I think oh, it's Phil absolutely. Hartman's shining moment. On absolutely, the show. Yeah. absolutely. Especially that last shot. It's like, oh, too soon, dude. Too soon. Well, it's just like I'll remember you, but not from your shows or movies, <laughs> your films, whatever it was. It's a, it's great, and it shows that like Selma evolved as a character where she's not going to put up with this bullshit mm. and stick around because she could, totally could have. Yeah, and such and it holy shit, do they run that? You might remember me from da 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 to like the ground in this episode. Including your dinner. <laughs> I also like how uh, they incorporate the Muppets into the yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Muppets go medieval. Dad, what's a Muppet? <laughs> well, son, it's not That's quite a sock. Joke. It's, it's not, not quite, quite a, a puppet. puppet. <laughs> but it's not quite a sock. It's not quite a puppet. But <laughs> man, and there is a, a really funny gag in there when Marge finds out what Troy McClure is doing. She's like, they shut off the lights and Marge's eyes are still open at night. Marge, can you close your eyes? I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> Goes to black. There we go. Because, by the way, Homer was told by Troy, like, what, at point blank range, what's going on. Because, yeah. like, Troy spills the, ble- the beans to Homer. And spills the bleach? Spills the beans, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. My, the, my bleach, also, the goggles, they don't work! By the way, remember, uh... My eyes, the goggles do nothing! Remember, uh... <laughs> Remember uh, when uh, remember Jub Jub the iguana? How like yeah, he's, he's even yeah. a character in this episode? Yeah, yeah. she carries him off at the end. I, that, that's all I have to say, guys. It's very short and simple. Yeah, I, let's I, keep up I, the pace. I, I do. I do like the fact that it's totally centered around two characters almost the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Evan. So uh, much a poo about nothing. Just like uh, Homer Batman, this was a very topical episode. Mm. Probably, so, probably the most racist episode in The Simpsons history. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's so. It's also, ve- not only is it now on Disney Plus. Not only is it really racist, <laughs> yeah. but you know, by the way, remember that scandal so, where there was talk of a poo being canceled? Yeah, I yeah. referred people to this episode on why he's not just a racist character. Well, they treat him like a person. In they treat him like a person. So here's the plot. The town decides to vote on the issue of deporting any illegal immigrants because they use because illegal illegal immigrants become a scapegoat yet again by uh, the powers that be. Now the issue is if the Proposition Twenty Four passes, Abu will be deported back to his native India. So the town. No, not, not even the town. The, the, the whole town is it g- gets really racist on people. Like, they turn on everyday characters. Like, Uder gets bullied at school. And uh, he, remember, I remember uh, 
and Apu is even getting protests at, outside the Quickie Mart. So why do you like this episode? In Wooder's case especially, Homer had already ragged on him and Lisa on yeah. ice, if you remember. All right, yeah. Don't and then there was, one and then there was never cafeteria as well. No, uh, uh, Uder, Uder was bullied for specifically for being, you know, a foreign exchange student. They do Uder so dirty later in the show. They yeah. really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and not only, uh, not only that, uh, so basically, the why I love this episode is because while the whole town is against him, even Homer at first, Homer, Apu is eventually won over because when he starts, you know, doing everything he can to not be deported, like, he tries to fake an American identity by ditching his accent and actually, you know, putting American flags all over the quickie mark, mm. and he start he starts breaking down because it's like, I want to stay, but as the real me, not some Yahoo from Green Bay, and it's like, you know, you're right, because I there are tons of immigrants that I'm sure, like, I no immigrants personally that have had to hide their heritage because like because of to avoid racist attacks yeah. like chinese people apparently there are so we we in canada we have a large asian population especially in toronto a, a, a racist assumption not that i have but other people have is that everyone every asian looking person is from china that's hardly the case while yes most there are tons of chinese people here in canada they come from there are Asian countries other than China and uh, a lot of these countries basically have to hide the fact that they're from where they're from and they just say oh I'm from China because if they're told that they're from like someone else like if they're told they're Vietnamese if they if they reveal they're Vietnamese they could be you know the victims of really nasty attacks so and you know having to hide your accent and you know having to speak English and embrace the culture around you when really your culture is from somewhere else. So that's why we are down... Wait, how's that chant go? Down no, no more on 24. 24. Yeah. No, on 24. Proposition 24. It's starting to look like a country bear jamboree around here. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah, no, and then I love how, like, the, the, the way the episode uh, begins, like, how this whole mess even starts is with a completely unrelated incident. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the funnier unreal, unrelated incidents. But it has, like, a good backstory to yeah. Apu as well. You know, you actually get a sense of where Apu is from. Yeah. Because, okay, uh, Homer and Apu was the episode that came two seasons earlier. You don't know a lot about Apu other than that he loves his job. In this episode, you learn that he loves his country. Yeah. And the Simpsons do uh, actually help him study for the citizenship test, and he passes. So Apu legally becomes a citizen, and he's not deported. He's actually one of the mo- most intelligent characters in the Springfield. Oh, he totally is. Like, like he's right stu- up there. He's Isn't stu- that interesting? He graduated. That now, all of a sudden, they want to get rid of one of the more intelligent characters. He graduated from yeah, a technical institute in India to study uh, computer sciences at the University of Springfield. This, Apu is a genius, but the fact that he has to. He's stuck working a Joe job managing the Quickie Mart. It goes to show how much potential like immigrants have and they that goes to waste when they have to... It's a very realistic scenario because it's something that a lot of people go through when they emigrate. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other reality is illegal immigration and, you know, get the hell out of my country-isms, that has been a topic of primary discussion for the last five years because we recently had, you know, 
the United States had a president that was very anti-immigration and anti and anti. Or as you would say, they went through their being edgy phase. Oh yeah, mm. no. Well, the, uh, Trump let a lot of conservatives off the leash with their anti-immigration rhetoric, especially when he called for a total, a complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Yeah. So, mm. like, this episode is very relevant today, and even with Trump gone, like, the topic is still like fresh and true, especially with what. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris recently said that was very controversial about people coming in through the southern border. Like, she said, do not come here, and a lot of people aren't happy about that, it's like, especially people who voted Trump out. So now we can put this and episode the, in the topical yes. episode bin. <laughs> much oh, about, no, with, with, with regards to illegal immigration or legal immigration or immigration, yeah. I believe coming to Homerica, is that not where they get deported? Yeah, that's, a, that, yeah. that's another one. What season was that? Uh, later. Uh, that's all you got 20, I think. Oh, the season okay. finale of season 20, I want to oh, say. Oh, well, yes, I did see that one. There right? also yeah, is yeah, an yeah. episode... There also is... The wall, right? There yeah, also, the wall. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also an episode where Homer... Uh, where the Simpson family flees America over a stupid crime. Well, that was a whole... That was a parody. Oh, yeah. That Bart was Mangled Banner. Bart Mangled Banger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the that was the Simpsons writers giving the finger to the Patriot Act because through a series of of petty bullshit the simpson family is accused of treason and they get sent to alcohol are we sure seth mcfarland didn't have a hand in writing any of those concepts <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good yeah that's uh, a good so that's all i have to say about much that's of all i have to say about much of poo about nothing the ending is kind of weird though with much of poo about nothing because doesn't a character still get deported regardless? yeah that's that's, really, that's, yeah. that's the joke it's like yeah no we love a poo because we poo, we love a poo he's awesome but fuck willie I totally forgot about that. That episode, <laughs> that episode. He gets the last laugh with my fair lot of years. That episode takes the piss out of Willie. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Between Trios of Horror 5 and that, they were uh, really dunking on him. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. All right, Josh, what's your uh, character? Who's your uh, side uh, character? We've touched on this one already because, again, with season eight, it's between one of two episodes for everyone's favorite. And if it's not one, it's the other. I gotta go, Homer. Someone ate part of my lunch. So, oh. You only move twice. I love it that much. Yes, Hank Scorpio is the best Albert Brooks voice character that he's ever done throughout the show's history. And you could argue it's more a Homer episode, but just... Hank Scorpio is the Bond supervillain that we never got. And if oh. a Bond supervillain was as funny and witty as Hank is, I would watch a lot more James Bond films. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance with his character that I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, Hank Scorpio. It's... Hank Scorpio reminds me of a teacher that lot that Josh and I had in high school. He reminds me of a boss I had at a vegan cafe. Oh, super yeah. Super chill. Very lax. Got along with everyone. The vibes in that place were so yeah. good. I didn't get paid very much, and the hours are terrible. But it was one of my better jobs. Yeah. That's kind of what Hank Scorpio represents. It's like... He's he's very charitable with his time. He gives Homer a lot of great advice. I mean, obviously, he's got that subtle supervillain side, but the way that you never actually see that fully unleashed until the very end, and even when, like, Homer basically has to resign because he realizes, you know, his family hates it in Cypress Creek, like, well, Homer, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, but I understand. By the way, if you want to kill someone on the way out, it would help a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some help with that, Homer? All the you know, that you, you know it really makes it a great episode. You know it's a it's a Hank Scorpio episode when he has his own theme song. Would you also like milk with that, Homer? Yeah. 
No. No, he uh, forgot the part. Like, oh, do you have any sugar like, for this coffee? We don't oh, have sure. bums, and if we did, we don't have bums in this town, Marge, and if we did, we wouldn't rush them. <laughs> oh. Somebody ate half a bar. We've already talked about it a lot in the Golden Age episode, but it's still fantastic. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. It certainly leaves an impression. Yeah. Definitely. Uh... I feel kind of bad. I almost wanted to do like the Frank Grimes episode, but uh, I picked something else. Oh. From the same season, too. Yeah, from the same season. So, uh, my next pick is Ralph Wiggum with uh, I Love Lisa. Aww. I, I, I always loved Ralph because, like, yeah, he, some of the times he's just a non sequitur machine. But his quotes, I freaking love that the writers say writing for Ralph is so impossible. So well, I'm possible, I guess. Because it's difficult. You have to kind they of... They still are learning. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you have to, like... I mean, these are all, like, super smart guys behind the writing room, so they have to, like, think ten steps backwards to throw the, the audience uh, off. But with I Love Lisa, it's, it's one of the few episodes that actually really humanizes Ralph. This and, uh... This, oh, little, this little Wiggy. This little Wiggy's yeah. another good example, too. But this one, it's, it's centered entirely on Ralph. Who had a really shitty Valentine's Day? No one gave him a card, and Lisa, out of, the, out of charitability and and pity, gave Just him a card. Nice. Yeah, and Ralph like takes it a little bit more seriously than she expected, and he starts to. It's, it's a relatable story. thing because uh, I'm sure most of us have felt that way when you know oh, you have more yes. yeah, I can relate to someone, this. especially as a kid. When your social skills are not super developed yet. No. You have an excellent point, yeah. yeah Anytime no. any girl was ever nice to me, I was like, oh, they like me. Then I have to love her. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I had a situation exactly like that in high school. But I don't want to get into that. Um, and uh, Ralph is just, like, incredibly cute in this episode. He's like, so, um, you, you like stuff? You like stuff? <laughs> you is, gave me a card that you you choo choose me. Is this the episode that, that reveals that Chief Wiggum is the dad? I think so. Yeah, it's the mm. first episode where we actually realize that uh, Wig, uh, Ralph is Ralph Wiggum, Chief Wiggum's son. It's awesome. Mm. He gives him uh, not so great advice about women while slamming walnuts with the butt of his pistol, and also getting chocolate out of your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nothing against chocolate. Oh, and uh, telling inappropriate stories about how he went to a porno theater. It's like, that, the story is, that story isn't appropriate for little children. Well, in this story, I keep, I my, keep pants my pants on. on. Whoa! Uh, no, this is my Valentine's Day go-to episode. Yeah, quintessential When you look at Ralph here, he's probably the most fully fleshed out as a character because you actually, he has either the beats, he actually takes him through an arc and you know, he actually is able to be a very convincing actor if he wants, if he wanted to, instead of just being, you know, the, hey, I'm in danger. Yeah, the meme. You know, that kind of like an easy meme or, go yeah. banana. <laughs> you know, lines like that. With this, it's like, he gets picked to play George Washington, and he plays George Washington the only way he knows how. Like and that, like, card. when he finally does a, but shouldn't we give in to the British? No! 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 Like, that, if Ralph was like that, I'm pretty sure that the writers would actually take it more seriously if they decided to write him like that. Yeah. What 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 president was he confusing it with when he sat in the chair and he was... FDR. FDR, FDR. yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave yeah. yeah. me alone, I'm here to play George Washington. And, like, the fact that all the girls want his autograph afterwards, but he still just wants to hang out with Lisa on the swings. Like, Aww. it's such a wholesome resolution, so it's like, yeah, he can grow as a character. 
I also love I how... just wish they kept that. Another aspect of the show I like, after establishing Wiggum, he is, like, despite being a terrible cop, he is an incredibly patient father. He is very, very good yeah. with Ralph. Yeah. He treats his son with a lot Unlike of Homer, what saying to Lisa, don't let your conscience bother you. And then it's like, oh, shoulder angel. Homer, that's a terrible thing to say. Oh, shut up. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Come on, Ralphie. Atta boy. Um, oh, and I also love that I kind of feel bad for him a little bit because he goes through so much crap. Oh, yeah. Like, just like, just because Homer wants to take advantage of you. Mr. Simpson, the tar fumes are making me dizzy. They'll yeah, do that. They'll do that. <laughs> yeah. She's in the can. Go away. <laughs> yeah, what else? Um, oh, I also love the completely irrelevant use of Monster Mash mm. in the beginning and end of the episode. You forgot to play the wrong star, did you, Barney? Why are you what? doing this? Why are you doing this? <laughs> but like the fact they commit to it though too is like they like that idea so much that they did it again at the end yeah it bookmarks the but episode essentially it was a really nice way for Wigan to it's like you know there's a riot going on he just turns off his radio Not and tonight. he doesn't want to worry about that he just lets them enjoy their on the time steering wheel. <laughs> no. oh, no, I love it so I'd also recommend this little wiggy if you ever want to know how, how many times Ralph sees the leprechaun that tells him to burn things that one's not as sweet, but it is another good episode where Ralph is the main focus. Mm. So yeah, those two are definitely like highlights for Ralph if you want to get into him. Alright. Yeah, and so this next round will be kind of a quick one. What is our favorite lore episode? It's either lore or like uh, anthology episode where it shows like a vast amount of the town or something. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a thing that... It's an episode that kind of brings to light about a certain figure, Jebediah Springfield, who was introduced in the Telltale Head. Mm -hmm. And since then, there's always been, like, uh, little Springfield, uh, you know, holidays, even if they're problematic. I'm looking at you, Whacking Day. Mm -hmm. That have happened mm -hmm. since then. But there was an episode... Uh, that really dived into just like the lore of the town itself that I thought was interesting, and that's Lisa the Iconoclast. Yeah. And yeah. we get to actually figure out the true identity of who Jebediah Springfield is, and it's a tight little mystery story. You can almost obviously look at it as a Lisa-driven story, and I like her decision at the end of just kind of keeping it... I think I was mentioning before the podcast, it reminds me of that kind of lesson in the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, where it's like, would you rather have a child believing in a lie that sh brings a, uh, a smile or hard truth that brings a tear. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what she says at the end of kind of, kind of similar where it's just like, she doesn't want to destroy the dreams and the hopes that this whole town has of what little that they do have anyways. But Jebediah Springfield has always been something that's cut to the core of everybody in town. I mean, when they heard what this town statue got beheaded everybody was just devastated yeah the entire town so the fact that like we actually learned something that like now lisa's gonna kind of take to her grave a little dirty secret about it it's kind of interesting yeah, yeah for sure and i don't know it's interesting lore and yeah short and simple yeah moving on <laughs> kind of a commentary though too on well not just any town figures but anyone in general like when you when you find something out about someone that you never expected you have to decide whether you want like, whether you can live with knowing that or, you know, whether you feel people need to know. I was like that way after learning which, who Jared Fogle really is. Oh, God. Yeah, and Andy Dick. Or Andy Dick. Yeah. Where it's like, uh Yeah. It also is interesting because it makes you wonder, what if the events of Lemon of Troy were the other way around? 
Because, like, it's clear the town founder of Shelbyville is, like, a pretty average guy. So maybe the whole Springfield-Shelbyville Civil War is just, like, being overinflated. Yeah, by Jeremiah or something. Ah, yeah. Also, Donald Pleasant, or not Donald Pleasant, Donald Sutherland is also very good. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, he's a lot of fun in there. He is. Now get out! You're banned from this historical society! You and your children and your children's children! Which is funny, because his child's in the show, too. Keith or Sutherland. Yeah, Keith or He has a cameo, too. That's funny. In the 24 episode. Yeah. Oh, that's a good pick. Uh, who's next, though? Oh, uh, let's go this way now. Oh, okay. So my, my lore episode is Trilogy of Error. Ah. So Trilogy of Error is kind of an unsung anthology episode. It's not really so much about lore. It's more just like a nice day in the life, which is um, told in three separate uh, storylines, very much like uh, Pulp Fiction or Doug Lyman's Go. Which I was is about a, to say, you like this because it reminds <laughs> remind me of Go. Yeah. Go, which is a super underrated 90s movie. Everyone yeah. should watch it at least once. Anyway, so um, it's told... From the perspective of Homer, uh, Lisa, and Bart, and I don't want to get into the plot because it's so ropey, but basically, Lisa builds a robot named Linguo for her science fair, and she wants to get to the science fair because she missed her bus. And Homer lost a thumb because Marge was baking brownies or something, and he couldn't wait, so he has to get his thumb reattached, and Bart is told by Milhouse that there is a secret cave that they want to visit, and that just explodes into a whole other thing, pun intended. Uh, so yeah, it's a very, very elaborate episode, and I, I really want to take a class as to how you write, like, hyperlinked stories, which is what they're called, where, like, characters weave in and out with each other, and other plot elements will later be shown in another story, and how that happened. It's incredibly exquisite writing. Talk to Tarantino. Episode. Yeah, Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of writers can really do that, and I want to know how you do it because it's impressive to me, and it's definitely one of my favorite episodes. That was my favorite episode of season twelve. Mine like, when I was continuing on my little binge, I was like, "This is a highlight." And I I've only seen it once, but I'd love to revisit it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it kind of comes into uh, Josh's next pick, which is another anthology episode. One that we oh, have definitely. I've already talked about this enough. Everyone knows how great this is, but. 22 short films about Springfield. Yeah. Preach. We've already uh, talked about this on the episode 10. We already know all the memes that this spawned. And you really get focused on a lot of side characters that up until that point, you really hadn't. Um, of, of course, there's Herman's descent into villainy. Yes. And how... About that is a... All, I don't know if the Springfield connection comes before or after this. I think before, but it keeps that thread going. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah, it's after. What is the what is sequencing? The Springfield connection came out before Twenty Two Shorts. Yes, so it keeps that thread going. Um, Apu and Sanjay's short is kind of interesting, just because you know it makes the idea of taking a five minute break from work sound like the most amazing party ever. It's yeah. kind of fun seeing Apu in his single life too before yeah. he met Manjula. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's um there's of course the McDonald's sketch send up with Wiggum and Eddie and Lou. Just basically the idea that it's framed as Barton Millhouse wondering what everyone else in town is going through at that time, and it ends and it bookends with them back at the bridge. Of course, the very tall man who I really would like to see another episode with him in there. The Robert Wadlow clone. Yes, I'd like to see the very tall man just because, like, the way that you know everyone in town gets to finally experience some catharsis of being the ones to say ha ha because. 
everyone, even the people that have never interacted with Nelson before, even Milhouse and Bart finally get some real true catharsis. And I'm sure Bart hadn't even felt that way since Bart the General, because this is something where a comeuppance is actually deserved for once. And it feels like the very tall man is doing what everyone wishes they could do. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that uh, Cletus song either. Oh, yeah. Oh, and but, also... But yeah, this is just kind of funny. It's like a little throwaway interlude. Yeah, there's so many interludes. You know what? I'll never forget the episode that sparked a thousand memes. <laughs> the statement. Memed hams. Memed hams. I think, I think, I think my, my favorite one is when they removed Shalmers from the entire bit. And they did a good job photoshopping him out. It's just the same timing. It's just there's no one at the doorway. There's no one sitting in the chair. It's just Skinner talking to himself. So it's like Garfield without Garfield. Yeah, it's Ooh, hilarious. That sounds creepy. It's pre- I'll send it to you. No, there's a million of those. I mean, you could just look them up. Yeah. Steam hands. No, mother. It's just the Northern Lights. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's not. It's 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 like trilogy of error in that it's. An unorthodox way of scripting an episode that I would really like to see them come back to and actually bring in some, use some newer side characters this time and have the same idea. Well, now, a- will they do it? I don't know if they will anytime soon, but it's a very unique episode in the show's canon and we've already talked about it enough, but it must watch for well, sure. Well, it's Absolutely. interesting you mentioned that, Josh, because while they were making the episode, the writers were considering making a spinoff show called Simply Springfield. Yes. Which would have been individual characters going about their day. And then they kind of parody that with the Simpsons spinoff showcase a, a season later. Yeah. Mm. Uh. <laughs> I've, al- I've always, I've now realized that, like, people ask me, like, what would be the first episode of The Simpsons you would introduce to somebody? And while I kind of go to, my go-to one is probably Springfield or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Lovely oh, Guys really? Gambling. Yeah, because like, cause the reason being is that every single but every single person in that community has one time to shine. Also, there's Marge versus the Monorails, good too. Yeah, that one too. Springfield episode. But yeah. the difference between Springfield and uh, like Ching Springfield, however you want to say it, <laughs> uh, and uh, 22 Short Films about Springfield is that it's such a, that episode is so amazingly paced that it's able to like show not only just like a moment or a gag unlike Springfield but like 22 short films does a great structurally perfect job at bouncing between every single character you can think of besides Professor Flink yeah, yeah he has <laughs> moment to shine yeah make you laugh make you think uh, it's uh, it's an incredible paced out episode yeah perfect anyways Evan you're, you're up take it away okay, so next one. Uh, my lore episode actually has to do with a uh, pivotal milestone in the history of the Simpsons family. So, uh, when people list off their most iconic Simpsons episodes, the episode that, that is about the bir- the marriage, the, the coming together of Homer and Marge, that episode is called The Way We Weren't, and, or is it called The Way We Was? The, the way, way We Was. The Way We Was. The Way We Weren't is that episode where it turns out they met as kids. Yeah. So... The way we we were, don't talk about oh, those shit. episodes. You're right, yeah. Please, <laughs> the way we there's the way the way we was oh. is about how they met and fell in love in high school. Did I see that one? Um, Lisa's Lisa's first know. word. I, I don't know. Okay. Okay. okay, so, uh, anyways, the way we was is about Homer and Marge coming together in high school and falling in love. The way Lisa's first word is about the birth of Lisa, and Maggie makes three is about the birth of Maggie. But we missed one. What happened, what was, where's the birth of Bart? I Married Marge is the episode that tells the story of the birth of Bart, and it's an episode where, uh, 
Homer need, Homer is in a great relationship with Marge being, you know, a young a couple in their early 20s and it tur- Marge is pregnant one day, so now Homer has to man up and he feels he gets to a point where he needs a job that's going to give him the money to support a, a family, a, a girlfriend with a new baby. And then um, he applies for the new a job at the nuclear plant, but f- uh, he doesn't get the job. And then it shows just how committed ho- of a partner and of a father to be Homer was, because in order to pay his way, even though he's miserable, he leaves Marge and gets a job at uh, a shitty taco place called mm-hmm. Gulp and Blow. And then that scene where Marge basically comes to see him and basically says, you know. I love you no matter who you are. And then that was when, you know, Homer left, almost walked away from the relationship because he felt that he couldn't be a provider and he couldn't be, you know, a good partner and he couldn't Mm -hmm. pay his way in the the family. So to show, like, what Homer will do, that was where it kind of started because he's so, if he was so desperate for money and for dignity, he will go, if he's so desperate for money, he'll go work at a shitty taco place to support the family. But then later he gets the job at the nuclear plant, and then the episode ends with Bart being born. So that episode, this episode isn't really talked about compared to Lisa's first word or and Maggie Makes 3, but it goes to show one thing, that just like in Maggie Makes 3, Homer will do whatever it takes for his kids, even if it means doing something he hates. Watching all three of those back-to-back is a great trilogy. Yeah, no... Uh, I married Marge, Lisa's first word, and Maggie makes three. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's an. Int- you can almost throw in even before all that the way we was just. Yeah. But yeah. but beginning. Yeah. The so kid, it, the kids trilogy. The yeah. Way yeah, that's definitely a great trilogy. The offspring yeah. trilogy. Mm. Yeah, I just thought I'd talk about that because no, it's not. Not that one. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah, no. It's also. Um, also, uh, there's a great scene where uh, it's set in the early '80s because Empire Strikes Back is still in theaters, and then. Homer is beacon off about that stupid oh. ending. Can you imagine if uh, a movie, if Infinity, if you were waiting in line to see Avengers Endgame wait, and wait, then wait, wait, some, wait. someone... Can you imagine yeah. if a character saw a movie and was going to spoil it? Gee, I wonder where they came up with that. Yeah. Yeah, really. Idea. Because yeah. the very thing you were mentioning they literally did a few years ago with Bart the Bad Guy. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Is that the one, uh, they, they show a sonar, uh, holo- or not a hologram, sorry, a sonogram of Bart in the womb still, and <laughs> doesn't, uh, I didn't know any better, I swear, was trying to moon us. He was trying to moon us, yeah, yeah, that's my favorite Bart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's been a troublemaker since he was in the womb. Since he was conceived. And by the <laughs> way, don't they show the place at the mini putt, at the Springfield mini putt, where the, where the windmill in which Bart was conceived? I think so. I feel... Oh I, yeah, that's when we were a little bit bad for the guy who won a free game because like if only you knew the context in which that happened. Yeah. Didn't they go back there and try to be like frisky inside of there just to get the thrill of it? No, well, that's, that's, when, that's when they were like nudists or yeah, that, that exhibitionists. Was in, wasn't that in Natural Born Kissers? Natural yeah, Born Kissers. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the exhibitionists and yeah. they're like kind of like well, exhibit. It's more like the the fringe main exhibitionist where you like doing it in public yeah that could have been an interesting angle if they decided to fully commit to it but that's very progressive and i do not see a show like the simpsons trying to do anything like that now <laughs> no this isn't family guy they're not gonna get that so, weird quick side thing no i mean like in a, prog- in a progressive way like in a positive way yeah quick side thing when i just mentioned like a great trilogy another great trilogy that the this these podcasters that i was listening to a few months back uh four finger discount 
They said that Bart the Lover, Sweet, Se Sweet Seymour Skinner's badass song, and Grade School Confidential is a great uh, double... Or, uh, Edna and Skinner trilogy? Yeah, like you see the first episode being the dynamic between Bart and Kerbobble, and then Bart and, and Seymour Skinner, and then it's all three of them all together at the exact mm. same time in Grade School Confidential. Yeah. I'd, I'd say try it. I'd say try it out, and I think yeah. it, I, I have, and it works. So yeah. hmm. nice. I have to try that. Mm. How do people do that? They never recommend like trilogies or couple couplets that you should try if you want to get into Simpsons. I try to do that now. I think it's a cool little experiment. That's a nice uh, activity for sure. Yeah. Okay. I loved Harvey Firestein's Carl from Simpson and Delilah. Oh, that's going back. Because that Carl is a sickingly underrated character. Before we know. Uh, the Carl that we know today, not Lenny, that Lenny and Carl, Carl. There's another Carl with, a, Carl with a K. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because yeah. after Homer's breakthrough with Demoxenel and getting his hair back, he gets promoted and he needs an assistant. And Harvey Firestein's portrayal of Carl is a wonderful human being. Mm -hmm. So nice, so generous. So selfless. Completely selfless. And I am actually surprised, and I looked it up, I didn't care if I spoiled it. I wanted to see if that character came back later on in the show. He does not. He's a one-off. Wow. He's a, a true one-off. A, a true one-off. And Harvey Weinstein is just wonderful in these little roles. Yeah. All he asks for in return is like three weeks paid vacation in an office or something like that. Yeah. You got it, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And his voice is very, uh, you know who it is right away. Heart, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the same way how, like, Josh feels about, about, uh, uh, Hank Scorpio is how I feel about Carl. I love watching that episode just for Carl. <laughs> Alright, uh, now who's, uh, who's next? You! Okay, now, now it's my turn to shine. You! Okay, so my pick is Mark Hamill as himself, as well as Lee Vell, a character he, vo he voices two characters in this episode, in Mayored to the Mob, which isn't a super great episode, but I think Mark Hamill really, really elevates it. And this was around the time where his career was kind of like... Kind of a little bit of post-Star Wars slump where he wasn't able to get, like, you know, live-action acting roles because of his appearance and, like, his relationship with Star Wars where it's kind of, like, clinging, it clung on to him far afterwards. Why yeah. did the same thing happen to Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher? Because well, Carrie Fisher still got I think hard. Harrison Ford, because he did Indiana Jones afterwards and that yeah. propelled his career, yeah. Carrie Fisher kind of, like, went into more, like, self-help guides and stuff oh yeah. yeah but um with mark hamill he really started to make a niche for himself in voice acting and this episode was a good platform for that and in fact i think he actually like said like uh, what, what was it? he requested that he did another character aside from himself he did and that's where the character leavell came in where he got to say so the reason role. why he's one of the best iterations of the joker may have maybe because of this episode uh, no, because this episode came out in 98, so it, it came after the Batman animated series, but mm. it's Okay, well, the Simpsons... Still, it's it's pretty neat to see, like, Mark Hamill, even with the new Star Wars trilogy, he's had a second career just in voice acting for, oh, like, yes. film, for, for, for movies and TV and video games as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, one of the best, absolutely. He, even if he does a really poor iteration of uh, Whitney Houston. Oh, also... Um, isn't it ironic that the both the 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 actor for Luke and the person who played Darth Vader they both were in a Simpsons episode and they both played their but was Qui Gon they both played two characters in one episode Qui Gon played two characters in one episode Liam Neeson oh Liam Neeson Liam Neeson played two characters in one episode 
know that. No, well, he was in an episode, though. Oh, well, no. Uh, James Earl Jones was in Treehouse of Horror, and he voice he he does two voices in the same episode. He does the voice of one of uh, Kang and Kodos' people, and he also is the narrator in uh, the, Raven. the Raven. But is, isn't he also in Round Springfield? He is in yes. He is in Round. Wow. James James Earl Jones guest starred quite a few times, but in the in Treehouse of Horror, James Earl Jones. Uh, voices two characters and in Mayor to the Mob Mark Hamill voices two characters. Anyways, back to Mayor to the Mob. <laughs> One thing I really like about this rendition of Mark Hamill is how he basically hates being idolized by all the fans. Which is a dig on real Star Wars. No, but if you think about it, it actually is more in line with what would end up what ends up happening years down the line with the new Star Wars trilogy, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's not like... If he, you read into, like, the behind-the-scenes of some of those. Yeah. yeah, like, he just keeps getting eaten alive by his fans. He can't go anywhere. He has to fake an injury to, like, have someone help him get out of there. Yeah. And even when he tries to branch out into things like how he was, like, with Guys and Dolls when he did Broadway, he was still kind of being typecast as, like, you know, you're Luke Skywalker. You're not yeah. Mark Hamill. And he has to, like... He has to do, like, advertisements in the middle of it's, shows. And uh, the same thing happened to Hayden Christensen when he played a the other Skywalker, Anakin. Kind of in the other extent, because people were negative towards his uh, performance. Yeah. With Luke Skywalker, he was just kind of the face of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, well, watch stuff outside the Star Wars prequels, or more specifically, watch stuff that isn't Attack of the Clones, and you'll see that Hayden Christensen is a great actor. Shattered yeah. Glass, he's really good in. Mm -hmm. Wasn't he a good... Uh, didn't he have a good part in In the Mouth of Madness? Uh, I didn't see that one. Oh, okay. He's in that. Apparently, he's the paper boy. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember. Anyways, yeah, so Married to the Mob is a good showcase of Mark Hamill and his voice acting talents, and it's one of the few times where I think a guest star really elevates an episode. It overall, is fine. It's a good episode, but he's, like, the best part. Nice. Next up. It's the line bug. I already talked about mine. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Thanks, Scorpio. Again, see, like an hour and a half ago for more. <laughs> but, it won't, but it won't be. But it won't be the first time that we hear, Sir. What's his pseudonym name again? Uh, Sir. A Brooks. A Brooks. Oh, a it's just A Brooks. Brooks. Okay, yeah. Because like he's done it uh, many times. It's not his first role in the show. It's not his last, but it is his best. Yeah. I was gonna say, of all the people who show up on the show, he comes back, and he's he's even in the villain in the Simpsons movie. Yeah. Russ Cargill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I have an idea as to why he's always showing up in The Simpsons so much. I think it's because of broadcast news. It's a movie that uh, was directed by one of the people behind the... I'm trying to look up his name right now. James L. Brooks? James L. Brooks directed... Um, uh, Brooks, yes. Brooks. He directed a show head, if you will, face of the show. Yeah, he directed a broadcast news in the 80s, and I guess he really... And Albert Brooks is very good in that movie, so I think that's why he always loves to come back with his uh, pal. Makes sense. Uh, these Brooks stick together, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Uh, no, no Mel Brooks in there, but... Yeah, that, that, he's missing. <laughs> All right, Evan, take it on home. My favorite... If I had to pick... You know, in the Abyss episode, I talked about how I want to actually have a... If I ever get the chance to teach a master class, uh, I would want to teach a uh, master class on... You know, comedy writing and how to use guest celebrities to the advantage of a, a movie or an episode or a segment of something. 
Case in point, I said that the example I would use for the worst is Lisa Goes Gaga because that episode and we're takes uh, takes uh, <laughs> no that episode takes a, the premise of a, of a celebrity being a character with their own voice on the show as a guest star and it does everything wrong with it. How I spent my summer vacation is probably my favorite example of a guest star. Ooh, not one, yes. but many guest stars. Ah, the premise yes. is Homer goes to rock and roll camp, and the counselors are. Uh, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Lenny Kravitz, Tom Petty, uh, Elvis Costello. Elvis, Elvis Costello. Did I miss anyone? There's like five of them. Brian right? Setzer and Brian Setzer. All those guys are themselves, and it's basically exactly what if 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 they were all to get together and run a rock and roll camp for a week for a week, that's what it would be like. So the way they and it's used to the episode's advantage because it gets to show Homer being Homer, but at uh, it what if the the greats let him be great for even five minutes? That's what I like about this episode so much. It's not and the characters themselves have some very funny lines. It's like like what are we all here for? To rock? Who said that? Who said that? Uh, it was him. That's right, Otto. <laughs> yeah, we're here to rock. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the ones from the teenage years that I actually remembered because of all those cameos. Yeah, yeah. So it has that going. That was for the it. biggest highlight of the yeah. episode. For sure. Yeah, that was from the episodes. era where they had the behind the scenes things when they were do the when they were recording the lines. Yeah, and I kind of miss when they used to do that. Oh yeah, for yeah. the credits. That's right. <laughs> it was a weird format for the credits, but it was like hilarious for outtakes. Hmm. Yeah, totally. All right. Yeah, so that's one of the best examples of a guest star being used on the show. Multiple. Multiple Absolutely. guest stars being used. It's hard enough to have one guest star. They made it work with five. I actually thought you were going to go with uh, Kim ba- Kim Bassinger? Kim Basinger? Kim Basinger? Basinger. Wow. That's the, no, no, that's the one Family Guy quote that I'll do today. But yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and Alec Baldwin. Oh, and, and uh, Ron Howard as well. When you dish upon yeah, a star. When you dish yeah. upon a star. Yeah. If you want another good episode with lots of musical guests, I'd recommend Homer Palooza. Oh, that's oh, a good Oh, yes, that's a great example. Yes. Yeah. Peter Frampton. I'm still waiting for the 2020s version of Homer Palooza, but I'm sure they'll wait another two or three years until, you know, uh, regular uh, venue capacities are back. Yeah. One of the things I liked, I liked Peter Frampton's line in that episode. Oh, no, my... Peter Frampton's going to be pissed off. You're damn right I'm going to be pissed off. You're damn right I'm going to be pissed off. I bought that pig at Pink Floyd's yard sale. And of course later it's like, Thomas Simpson ruins my pig, Cypress Hill steals my orchestra, and now Sonic Youth's in my cooler. Get out of there, you kid. Aw, come on, Mr. Frampton. You're not going to eat all that watermelon by yourself. Please, I'm trying to perform. (laughs) Cool. Cool. You stay here and we'll guard your food. Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Such a massive watermelon. Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, boys, we definitely went through a lot of rounds. Now, before yeah. we before we end off this podcast with what we love to do best, before and that's we quoting get, the whole show. Before we can go to sleep. <laughs> I, I want to bring up something quickly, uh, just to get a bittersweet thing out of the way. I never had that many friends growing up that loved The Simpsons as much as I did, so it was always this thing I kept to myself, right? Mm-hmm. Just loving the show and kind of just, like, trying to get people into it as much as possible, and, like, they're always like, yeah, I'm aware of what The Simpsons are, I just don't love it as much as you you do, Cody, you know? Mm-hmm. like, So I was deep into it, like I mentioned, when I was, like, in grade school, kind of into high school, and then it, the show kind of became occasional background you know comfort food or even white noise when i sleep at night you know i just have it running all the time 
recently, this past year, and I have you guys, you so to speak, folk, to thank, <laughs> is that, yeah, I got into a very big phase, again, with rewatching The Golden Age twice and progressing my binge that I never thought I would continue. So, I just want to say thank you guys. It's been a lot of fun. And watching it with you guys, even also, I want to give a shout out to Michael Lake, who sadly couldn't be here today. He's off doing a lot of great stuff right now, but he is as big of a Simpsons fan as we are, and I'd be remiss if I'd leave him out on this. When all we all get together and we watch episodes together on Netflix Party, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, and especially during these hard times of just being at home and all that. Yeah. Watching The Simpsons and just watching it with you guys as well, it's just definitely been something that's gotten me through. Nice. Very yeah, nice. the la- the later half of 2020 was like sip- was literally Simpsons like all the time. Like uh, like and I'm kind of still on that kick. Like I I'm in now in a bigger phase of the Simpsons than I've ever been in my life yeah. oh, this nice. past year. So, thank you gentlemen. Oh, for that. Well. I, I don't know that's if you want I don't know if you wanted to share anything else, but I mean, feel free. That's no, awesome. No, it's always nice whenever you pull up uh, Simpsons Seen It, which is a game I haven't played in years. Oh, wow. And just going through the whole catalog again, that's always ni- a nice uh, thing to do every so often on a cold night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I just figured I'd want to get that out as a bittersweet little thing before we yeah. ramble ourselves with quotes. <laughs> yeah. Three hours later. Three <laughs> hours later. Yeah. All right. Well... Let's start with, back to the beginning with Marge. I'll take it away. Okay. My favorite Marge lines. Lisa on ice. Watch out, here comes the shack attack. <laughs> Ow! I told you to watch out. <laughs> from uh, the scenes from the class struggle in Springfield. At times like this, I guess you have nothing to do but laugh. And then uh, from it's reference from like what Bart was talking about how he learned hell the word hell from uh, Homer versus Lisa in the Eighth Commandment when he kept saying hell 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 over and over again she goes Bart you're not in, no longer in Sunday school don't swear <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right you, Mark? um uh this is a really tender moment but it's in Simpson and Delilah where it's like you are so beautiful. Oh, another lover of the little rascals. <laughs> You're not uh, gonna love me again because I'm ugly and bald. Oh, I am so beautiful to, to you. That's a beautiful. Actually, one. I should put it the other way around. The little rascals were a fan of the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I don't know where this line's from, but I saw it on Marge compilation. And it's like, I need a cup. Can you spell that for me? Oh, Bart Star. Bart Starkin. C U P. Oh my God! <laughs> and then uh, you have to spit on the prank calls. And then there's this. Uh, there's this one line I always loved in uh, Simpsons Hit and Run, where like Homer's scared of the bees that are all over the place. He's like, "Marge, I think we're being watched." Oh, homie, you're so sexy when you're paranoid. <laughs> I don't know. That's just TMI, like, Marge. That's how the Sim- that's how the Simpsons parody GTA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah edgy Marge. <laughs> Marge, who's as edgy as a circle, just saying a line like that is just great. Alright, but that's all I got for Marge. Alright, Josh, what do you got? Um well the main Marge quote we already went through during uh, when we talked about Homer Batman, because it's just super topical. But another one I thought I think it might have been during Bart's girlfriend, uh 
Bart's playing with the troll doll, and she's like, and then she takes it away from him. I don't want you playing with something with such awful hair. <laughs> awful, awful hair. Because <laughs> it's basically the writers making a dig at her. Yeah. Was it? Was he going like, I'm the troll man? I'm a troll <laughs> man. I'm the troll <laughs> man. <laughs> Which after rewatching Blues Brothers in the, a few in the last few months, it's like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. That's the weird thing with Marge quotes is like, I don't remember a lot of them as easily as Homer or Bart or even Lisa. Of course, there's the one from the movie. You're a woman. You can hold on to that anger, bottle it up inside, and keep it down forever. She's the, she's the most sensible one in the show, so that does kind of reduce her quotability, but she does have a few good ones every now and then. Mm. I think that's worth <clears throat> Oh, is that all you got? Oh, I also like the um the, in the Springfield connection. The same way that Lisa calls out in, in Lisa on Ice, when Lisa calls out the sports coach about, you know, isn't that those dreams where their parents viciously push their kids into competition to compensate for their own failed dreams of glory? The same way in Springfield Connection, Lisa has a similar biting commentary on the uselessness of police, and Marge is like, "What, oh, Lisa? It's McGruff, it's M- it's McGruff, the crime dog." Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh Lisa, <laughs> help me bite crime. Yeah, Lisa goes on this huge tirade about and then, and then, def- hashtag defund the police. Defund the police. <laughs> <laughs> Marge, uh, look. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great one. Um, oh, and also, I think another great one that I just realized, I don't have in my notes, but from Moaning Lisa at the end, when she basically sees these two boys being dicks to her, oh, yeah, and she realizes that, you know, Lisa shouldn't settle for just pretending to be happy because, you know, that's what her mama taught her to do. She's like, go ahead and be sad, and when you're done done being sad, we'll be there for you. <laughs> that's a it's like, one. It's, it's admitting that just because you're a parent, it doesn't always mean you know what's best for your child in every situation. There are some things that they have to figure out for themselves. <laughs> Alright, Evan, how about you? What are some quotes you like? Uh, quotes I Marge? like from Marge. Uh, this is, she's really tough to uh, get a quote in, um, but... Uh... <laughs> of course we have to do the one that's the hardest to do a voice oh, first. One of the things I, uh, I love is... Uh, Homer showing off his teaching jacket in Secrets of a Successful Marriage. It's like, Homer, that's supposed to be leather patches on a tweed blazer, not the other way around. You've ruined a perfectly good jacket. (laughs) Oh, incorrect, Marge. Two Two perfectly perfectly good good jackets. (laughs) Also, um, uh, I mentioned uh, the way we was. The way we was. I was like, you know, I I found out who I should have gone to the prom with. And she... Uh, let's Homer point him the corsage to her chest. My prom date. So that was really cute. Um, I like that you guys are mixing in emotional quotes as well because yeah. I stuck to comedy, mm, but yeah. this is very nice. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, oh, oh, also, like, uh, I know one, one other quote. Uh, it's like, how about this potato? It's pretty big. Mom, you're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? I just think they're I neat. Think they're neat. <laughs> yeah. How could we forget? Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. <laughs> oh my god. Dental plan. Now on the baby sleeps in the crib. Well, Iron helps us play. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Yeah, there's all these like things that are stuck in your head because they keep repeating it. Yeah. Oh, no, how about this? Lot. Bart, no! What? I'm right here. Sorry, force of habit. Lisa, no! Oh yes, yes, that's a great one. Too. Oh, the wires are melting. So, so speaking of Lisa, now under her, 
I got from Lisa's Rival. Now performing the second band in America, performing their number one hit, Born to Runner Up. Or number two hit, Born to Runner Up. I love how they start playing. Five seconds in, they all start booing, and then it cuts to reality. Why would they just come to our concert just to boo us? <laughs> it's like such a good point on that cliche. Yeah. It's kind of like that worm one where it's like, why does the worm sound like a lamb? Yes, yes. Like the ones where she kind of takes a step back and goes, why <coughs> she that points, She points out the bad logic. Yeah. yeah. From, uh, I mean, this is a classic, but I might as well just get out of the way. From Selma's Choice. I am the Lizard Queen! Yeah, I knew one of you guys were going to pick that one. And then uh, from Stark Raving Dad, her poem. I had a cat named Snowball. She died. She died. Mom's Mom said she was sleeping. She, she lied. She died. Why, oh, why is my cat dead? Couldn't that Chrysler hit me instead? And they all came marching down. I had a cat named Snowball. She died. No deal. <laughs> That's all I got. Okay. Um, I don't have too, too many for Lisa either, but I love the one moment where she just has a moment of self-realization. She's like, I'm a Buddhist! And it echoes throughout the town, and Neb's like, oh, no! Or something. I forget what he says exactly. Or the, does he, he pushes his boys into the, the basement. He's like, oh, we have to hide, boys. For how long? Probably forever. <laughs> and then uh, there's the classic anti-catchphrase where it's like if anybody needs me I'll be in my room <laughs> what kind of catchphrase is that <laughs> that's kind of all I got for Lisa unfortunately but I'm sure you guys will fill in the blanks and Josh anyone else okay so I have let me see here I only have two at the moment but they're really good ones okay so one is from Lisa versus Malibu Stacy, which is basically Lisa, what some of her more socially conscious deconstructing gender norms. Yep. Self. It's not funny, Bart. Millions of girls will grow up thinking that this is the right way to act, that they can never be more than vacuous ninnies whose only goal is to look pretty, land a rich husband, and spend all day on the phone with their equally vacuous friends talking about how damn terrific it is to look pretty and have a rich husband. Oh my god. Damn. Are you okay? <laughs> that was a mouthful. I tried to do it all in one go, but, like, because that episode is all about Lisa trying to make a Malibu Stacey-esque doll to deconstruct the gender norms that dolls like, again, like Barbie and other ones were. And yeah. in a way, Barbie's become even more socially progressive as a brand since this episode, but it's, it's, it's Lisa trying to be very, you know, righteous and trying to think of and, and put other people before herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the main one that I didn't even think about until just recently, I'm like, this actually fits perfectly for not just Lisa, like as a core, at, at a core, but also for like the way they write her character in recent seasons from dead putting society. Why do I get the feeling that someday I'll be describing this to a psychiatrist? Yeah, yes. <laughs> also from that episode, I love her uh, words of wisdom of if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? <laughs> Bart's like, yes, of course it does. <laughs> but Bart, how can sound exist if there's no one there to hear it? Oh. Deep. <laughs> yes. All right, Evan, you wrap us up. Uh, Lisa's actually your, one of your favorite characters of all yeah, time, so yeah. I'm interested to see what you pick. One of my favorite quotes from her is um, a short and simple one, like when uh, the the family makes Bart and Lisa sing the Armor Hot Dog commercials. Like, doesn't anyone know oh. any songs? And doesn't anyone in this family know oh, any songs dude, in our commercial? Great. I feel like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, 
One of the deeper quotes that actually is kind of sad was when uh, she says, um, being someone else didn't work. Being myself didn't work. I guess I just wasn't meant to have friends. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a sad. That's the thing with Lisa. She doesn't have necessarily funny quotes, but she has very insightful quotes. Oh, very yeah. insightful <laughs> quotes that stick. Yeah. 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 She, she can, yeah. Uh, she can oh, have Oh, and who could forget clarity. this? Yeah. Dad, do you know that the that the Chinese use this use the same word for the for the the same word for crisis as they do for opportunity? Yes, Lisa, crisis duty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, uh, in one of my favorite sequel secrets from a successful marriage, Lisa says, "Dad, there's a reason two people come together and stay together. It's because they give each other something that nobody else can." <laughs> do, do do you know what Lisa? You know what that is? I can't help you, Dad. I'll pay you ten dollars if you think of it for me. Good luck, good luck, Dad. <laughs> you seem to love that episode. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, talk about definitely. That. Yeah, I'm trying to think like other Lisa quotes that. Um, uh, yeah, no, there's uh, actually no. It. Uh, you know, you can have one more. Yeah, actually no, I, I can't think of one right now. There's so many. That's okay. Oh, that's I okay. just realized one that's actually kind of ironic. Like in Lisa on Ice, the very beginning, it's like Simpson, Lisa. Grades are all I have. What could I possibly be failing at? Jim? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Couples <laughs> it up and fails at throwing it in the wastebasket. <laughs> that is a good one, yeah. Alright. Alright, Mr. Bart. I got from Homie the Clown. After Homer gets up and decides, I'm gonna go off to clown college and be a clown. There's a pause and, he, and Bart just goes, I don't think any of us were expecting him to say that. <laughs> just the pure delivery of that is just so funny. Uh, from the front, right after uh, Grandpa, like, rejects his award from writing, quote-unquote, writing the screenplay yeah. for that thing. I love uh, Bart's delivery, because it sounds like something that he wouldn't say, but they still have, they, the writer still had him say it, where he's like, well, I'll never watch an award show ever again. Except from that delightful Billy Crystal's involved. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, Bart would never say that. That's that sounds like, like something Stewie would say. That's like, no, that's like yeah. something like a, like a, you know, a soccer mom would say yeah. or something like that. Like some middle-aged woman would say, like, you know, just like, cause they love, they love, you know, people, a lot of people love Billy Crystal and that's just an observation that like an adult would say, yeah, you know, like that's not something Bart would say. No, not at all. And then my favorite from Bart of Darkness, his play, <clears throat> Kibbles for breakfast, Aunt Helga. Oh, Is it St. Swithin's Day already? Tears replied, Aunt Helga. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for someone to interrupt me. I'm gone, I'm, I'm gone. gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for for Bert. Alright. Uh, should Evan go next, since we like to... Oh, sure, yeah, go next. What's uh, your Bert? What's your Bert? Uh, one of my favorites, uh, it's like, um... But Millhouse, they haven't cured any of those things. Uh, homelessness and hunger, or world hunger, are, heart disease and world hunger are still rampant. Those do-gooders are all a bunch of pitiful losers. Yeah. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Alright, all right, Josh. Uh, Bart? Alright, I've got a couple. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to actually make it a challenge for myself and not just do like, Hi, Karamba! I didn't, I didn't do it. Nobody saw me do it. You can't prove anything. Oh, the shorter. I didn't do it. I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? Cowabunga, dude. I don't have a cow, man. I, I wanted to actually get make all, it Get all those out of the way. Yeah. Oh, you took one of mine. <laughs> um, so one of my favorite ones, which is just basically anytime you accomplish something awesome and you want to feel like a badass, from Bart's girlfriend, 
there's only one thing to do at a time like this. Strut. Yeah, like that's the inner mono, the inner soundtrack of someone that just accomplished something great. And the one I actually picked, which is actually pretty scarily appropriate from Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Yeah, thanks to television, I can't remember what happened eight minutes ago. <laughs> no, seriously. If you applied that to social media, it would be like, thanks to TikTok, I can't remember what happened 30 seconds oh. ago. <laughs> I have another... Shots fired. I, oh I also uh, have a... Yes. Uh, I have another Bart quote that just came to mind. Oh, sure, sure. Do you remember where uh, it's like... Uh, remember when uh, he's injured from running from the bullies after they beat him up for doing ballet? And, it's, and then uh, Lisa compliments him for being brave, and then he's like... Why leave me standing here when I clearly need medical... Why leave me here when I clearly need medical attention? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have uh, to... see. I don't really have too, too much else for Bert. Um, Josh actually said, when, I always loved it when the first episode he just sits on his father's lap who's dressed as Santa. He's like, who are you, little boy? I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? He's like, oh, Edgy, he's young and he's saying to hell. Yeah. Then, but I think my favorite Bart moment in general, it's like Homer's in the bathtub. Yes! <laughs> ah! 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 What the hell is wrong with you? Jeez, sorry. It's a pretty standard stunt, Homer. The main compilation I've seen on YouTube of like different remixes of that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Millhouse Divided is the one that's the episode. And that also, has, well, that has one of my favorite Homer moments. But uh, yeah, anyways, that's definitely my favorite Bart moment. The thing with Bart is, he doesn't have quotes. He has catchphrases. Yeah, he yeah. has. So you hear it once. He says it a lot. He'll say it again and again until he gets old. And thankfully, he doesn't really do it so much anymore. But he's a catchphrase it's almost, guy. It's almost hilarious then that with Bart Gets Famous, they deconstruct the idea of the catchphrase. And that's why the Say the Line meme has become pretty popular the last few years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been That's been Bart's legacy, mostly. I caramba. Okay. And now, Mr. Homer. The big boy. Oh, so, boy. so, so, okay. My quick line that I have from him, I need to, I, okay, Evan, I need you to play Milhouse. Okay. What did Milhouse say right after cli uh, crawling out of the gross mat mattress fort thing? <laughs> what did he say? Those mattresses smell, those mattresses so smell funny, weird. Bro. No, it doesn't. Does that, that mattress, <laughs> those mattresses smell, smell so weird. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Just the straight, that just, I don't know. Like, that's just, <laughs> it smells funny. Only yeah. Dan Castaneda saying, like, portraying Homer can make that line funny. No, yeah. it doesn't. But there are three tight rants that I know verbatim that I will do chronologically. So the first yeah. one being from Flaming Moe's. <laughs> Fools, you poor pathetic misguided creatures choking down your Flaming Moe's. All this time wondering, how does he do it? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the secret ingredient is... Cough syrup! Oh, no. Cough syrup! Nothing but plain, ordinary, over-the-counter children's cough syrup! <laughs> Alright, the second one, being from a uh, brother from another, a brother from the same planet. I need someone to play the role as Bart, okay? Yeah. Hello, son. Where have you been? I was, I was, I, I, I been out with Millhouse. No, you haven't! You've been out down the bench around with that floozy of a bigger brother of yours! How would you? How would you? you? Look at me! Keep going. Well, I, I don't... Why, we, why can't I remember how this like, goes? Homer, just, you know, t just take it. You'd have to take it kind of well. Wow. How would you like me to take it? Go ahead, Bart. Have your fun. I'll be waiting for you. I'm sorry. I can't do it. 
<laughs> so what are you gonna do, Bummer? Oh, yeah. you'll see. And the last one from Marge, not proud. Stealing! How could you? How have you learned anything from that guy who delivers those sermons from church? Captain, Captain what's, what's his, his name? name? We live in a society of law. Why do you think I took it to all those police and academy movies? To have fun? Well, I didn't hear anybody laughing. Did you? Except for Michael Winslow making all those funny sounds. Vroom, vroom. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Stay out of my booze. <laughs> um, That's all I got. <laughs> one of my favorites... Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite uh, Homer lines is from Bart Gets an Elephant, where like Lisa tells him, "Dad, you can't keep, you can't, you can't do that. It's cruel." Oh, everything's cruel according to you. Keeping him chained up in the backyard is cruel. Pulling <laughs> on his tail is cruel. Like yelling in his ears is cruel. Everything is cruel. So excuse me if I'm cruel. <laughs> Now I've had my head in an elephant, a hippo, and a giant sloth. Yeah. Uh, also, um, uh, from, from Deep Space Homer. Uh, hey, is this NASA? Yes. Good. Listen, I'm sick of your boring space launches. Now I may be an ordinary blue-collar sloth, but I know what I like on TV. How did you get this number? Shut up! And another thing, how come I can't get no tang around here? Also, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, and uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes uh, when he's uh, coming, when he's yelling at President Bush. Oh, I demand you go, John Bush. Oh, well, you are a whip. <laughs> There's just going to be a lot of shouting in this segment. Um, Homer's yeah, shouting Homer is hilarious. Homer is really funny. Oh, uh, one of my all-time favorites is from uh, Dog of Death. Son, if you want something in life, you have to work hard for it. Now be quiet, they're about to announce the lottery number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Wait, what episode was that? Uh, that was, I was either, I can't remember, It's the, it, it was an episode where, like, Homer's trying to win the lot, uh, trying to win the lottery. I can't remember what episode it is, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we'll find out later. Yeah. I also like, what else do I like for Homer? Uh, yeah, though, there's so many Homer quotes, I feel like I'll be here all day. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Josh, take it away. Alright. So, of course, I, I talked about this quote before from A Star is Burns because it's a, a favorite of mine when something's really hilarious. <laughs> uh, this contest is over. Give that man the $10,000. <laughs> but the ball is growing. It works on so many levels. Um, I also love, well, we've already said, of course, from Deep Space Homework, Default and all that stuff. Mm. Um, of course, the classic from Mars vs. the Monorail, I call the big one bitey that I've already <laughs> mentioned. Um, a, a bit of a deep cut from the PTA disbands. Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. <laughs> it really is. That sums up Homer. <laughs> Homer's philosophy. And then, of course, there's from Homer's Barbershop Quartet, the funny fun thing. And they took that stuff off the market because they found out it was poisonous. But if you ask me, if you're dumb enough to eat it, you deserve to die. Bart! Bart! <laughs> Uh, of course, the no TV and no beer from Treehouse of Horror 5 and the shinning. Yeah, save some for me. That's a classic. <laughs> um, uh, of course, the one I actually ended up going with is my favorite. is actually one I just thought of, like, today, and it's actually pretty fitting. Kids, you tried your best and you failed miserably. Yeah. The lesson is never, never try. try. From, uh, from Burns' hair. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. All right. 
down to me now. Um, oh, speaking of that, I already mentioned uh, Millhouse Divided, but I swear to God, this is one of my favorite uh, reactions from Homer. It's when uh, he's in uh, Kirk's uh, bachelor apartment. It's like, well, I sleep in a racing car, do you? And dead, deadpan delivery right here. I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Cut to Kirk. He's like, oh. oh. I almost forgot one. I almost forgot one from The Last Temptation of Homer. The whole, the, the bellboys being uh, being a pig, and Homer's like, stop that. I love my wife and family. All I'm going to use this bed for is sleeping, eating, and maybe building a little fort. That's it. <laughs> it's good that he didn't stoop to an all-time low in that episode. Oh, yeah. Well, his all-time low episode, is, or all-time low moment of Homer is uh, war on the War on uh, War of the Simpsons, I think it was called. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that the, episode's terrible. Can you hand me some of those peanuts, Mod? Not those peanuts. Towards at the bottom. <laughs> that one. That's terrible. him at his absolute worst. Um, but sorry, go ahead. And, yeah, then there's a... Uh, Mr. Plow, there's a classic sound. Mr. Plow, that's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. And I love, I, this is a deep cut, where, too, in the episode where he's like, um, I forget who he's talking to. I think it was Flanders. He's like, Are you going to do my asphalt? Kiss my asphalt. <laughs> so I said, I said to him, Kiss my asphalt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there's, here's one episode that I absolutely love. It's uh, King Sized Homer. It's like, when he's like in the highway, he's like, Hey buddy, you gotta slow your car down and let me in because I'm a big fat guy and I can't go anywhere because there's gonna be some poisonous gas. I mean, there's really just gonna be some poisonous gas and everyone's gonna be dead, especially me. <laughs> the ice cream truck. <laughs> the ice cream truck. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have that one pulled up, but he's just like, Okay, take it, take it, take it. Oh. How do you, Evan and I always ask this. How do you think that guy came back to his boss at the end of that day and just said, a big fat ass <laughs> stole my goddamn ice cream truck from off the highway. I panicked. Uh, of a related episode, uh, the one uh, ice cream of ice cream of Marge with the light blue hair when Homer does become the ice cream man, and it's like he and Marge have the falling. He's like, "Well, excuse me for having enormous flaws that I don't work on." <laughs> and then uh, speaking and of- there was. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. I just I keep remembering so many Homer quotes because it's so easy to do. From I think Homer the Vigilante. Uh, oh, that's a great episode. Yeah. Homer, uh, Lisa's blowing up the jug. Homer's doing the. Yeah, she stops. Lisa, never ever stop in the middle of a hoedown. My favorite Homer from uh, Homer the Vigilante was, Bar- uh, I'll be I'll be ball. Homer, you could Mo, you could be uh, Barney, you could be eight ball. Skinner, you could be low ball. And Mo, you could be Q ball. You're an idiot. <laughs> okay, I just hello. My name is Mr. Burns. I believe you have a letter for me. Okay, uh, right, Mr. Burns. Uh, what's your first name? Uh, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, also, um, remember when uh, he has to impersonate uh, Mr. Burns's mother? Like, hello, Mr. Burns. This is your mother. <laughs> Mrs. Burns is one hundred twenty-two years old, so try to sound more desiccated, and she doesn't call her son Mr. Burns. Say, this is Mrs. Burns. I just called to say, I don't love you. You are a bad son, Montel. I just want to get this last one underway, because none of you mentioned it before. Okay. Yeah. It's from Flaming Mo. It's like, Homer, shouldn't you at least take some pride <gasps> in the fact that what you're doing is making people happy? <gasps> no, oh, no. look at me. I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Happy Land in the gumdrop house on Lollipop Lane. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was being sarcastic. 
Well done! I was so scared you guys were going to say that word. Yeah. Okay, well, so gentlemen, we, uh, to, to add the cherry on top, because we don't want to exclude her, Maggie's best line is, Daddy. 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 Not, Daddy Doody. Or, this is indeed a disturbing universe. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no sucking sounds. Well, boys. Oh, I almost heard. Oh. My favorite Maggie moment is also in A Star is Burns, the birds send up. Maggie, time to go to the... And all you hear is the sucking and just all oh, the tension in that is so Are amazing. Are you sure that was A Star is Burns? Was yes. there in the, uh, the, the daycare center? Yeah, Maggie Yeah, Maggie frees the pacifiers for all the that's other babies. That's not A Star is Burns. That's A Streetcar Named Marge. But... I keep making a streetcar named a streetcar named March. Yeah. That, yeah. But the, the, and then they bookend that gag with Hitchcock walking his dogs outside. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I also love the great escape montage of her climbing away and escaping. I always love that stuff in mm. movies. And that was the streetcar named March is underrated as a March episode. It was just kind of I I I. Mm, it's was... more just acting in a play. It's not like a real character growth piece. And I mean, way, with, yeah. with Maggie sucking on her pacifier, and there's gunshot sound effects. Dun, dun, I, you know, dun, it alludes dun. to like she's secretly a psychopath. <laughs> they planted the seeds that whole time. <laughs> yeah. So that's why she uh. saves Homer from the mafia. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's just a theory, a Simpsons theory. Yeah. Oh no. Why? Uh, I thought we would avoid that guy this episode. Yeah. Well, well, boys, thank you so much for allowing me. To have the privilege of hosting your 50th episode. No problem, Mr. Pop Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to you having more retrospectives of movies that came out in 1998. <laughs> wow. You might as well make a tier list if he's going that route. Yeah. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. What a celebration. I know that our pops are empty, but let's do another toast to... No, crack the can. Three, Three, two, one. one. I Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Josh, for joining on the show. Good yeah. night. Don't.